Okay, here we go, people. This week, we sat down with the big dog, Torstein Horgmo. Now, if you're unfamiliar with Torstein and you've been living under a goddamn rock, he's pretty much dominated the contest world, winning gold medals all over the place, all the events, X Games, you name it, he's done it. He was also the first person to ever do a triple cork on a snowboard. He's hit a snowboard perk jump with Ken Block flying through the air next to him in a goddamn rally car. This guy's accolades and accomplishments are unparalleled. But aside from what he's done on a snowboard, this interview kind of caught me off guard because Torstein gets deep, man. He talks about meditation, fasting, gratitude. He went through some childhood bullying, which I found is a pretty big surprise. And even more so, he gets into his plant medicine journey. Before we get into it, I want to let you guys know that we have signed prints, signed by the man Torstein Horgmo himself, available on our website, bombhole.com. We also have new hoodies in, all the sizes, fully stocked. We got sticker packs that are just loaded up with cheddar biscuit stickers and all kinds of goodies. And lastly, if you enjoy the episode, screenshot it and post it on your Instagram and tag us. I really hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Let's get into it. Torstein Horgmo, episode 22. You are listening to the Bomb Hole. Podcast. It's going to be very hot. It's going to be very uncomfortable for everybody. <laughs> the Bomb That bitch is crazy. All right, here we go. Another week, another Bomb Hole. My dog, Stony Buds. What's up, dog? Man, what happened today on the way here, man? Little flat tire scenario at the crib. We got a flat tire, and you know what? Buds was still on time. Yeah, which is, I'm pretty much mostly on time, it seems like, these days, right? <laughs> I was proud of him. Yeah. But yeah, there's nothing stopping Buds, man. Flat tire, he's good to go. But today, I am really excited about our guest. We got Mr. Torstein Horgmo. Torstein, what is happening, my friend? Just chilling, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we are. <laughs> We're happy to have you on the bomb hole. Our first uh, Norwegian guest, I think. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah, what's going on? You're uh... loving the intro, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> shout out to Meyer for that one. Hell yeah, yeah. glad right? you enjoy so it. Sick. Yeah, yeah, he's nice. Big fan it. of the show. Hell yeah, you guys are killing it. That's an honor. <laughs> That's an honor. So, what's going down in? Uh, let's just throw it back to where you're from in in Norway. Where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up in. Uh, well, in Norway, it's considered a city. It's called Trondheim. It's about seven hours driving north of Oslo. Comparing it to the U.S., it's a, it's a small city. But in Norway, it's, uh, it's one of the bigger ones. It's actually the first city founded in Norway. It's over 1,000 years old. Yes, I was there until I was 15. That's when I moved out. And then did you go to, you moved out to go to school to snowboard and stuff like that? Is that what you moved out or? Yeah, I got into like a sports school in a place called Yilo. Same place that JP Solberg went to, which is why I wanted to go there, I think. But yeah, I moved out at 15. That was a big one for my mom, for sure. Yeah. And then things, things started happening quick. I remember there was rumors of you, because I think we're the same age, but you, did you used to like crazy kind of train and hike jumps like a maniac like always like work super hard at a young age getting good no it was all play <laughs> really yeah, it was i mean i wrote a lot you wrote a lot I, okay. I wrote a lot when snowboarding came to me it was it was on yeah so there was there was nothing else you know going on in my brain at the time so it was, it was all i wanted to do do you want to 
kind of dive into some of that stuff we were, you're kind of talking about with the, the stuff that happened to you at a younger age, some of the stuff you went through, I've heard. Sure. Things. Yeah. Um, you heard some things. I just know. I, I mean, Ika just gave me a, an idea of your backstory and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You said it wasn't that easiest, you know. You told, you told me you made some calls. Yeah, I made that's, some calls. We do our cool. recon. Shout out over to here. Ika, by the way. We like yeah. to do heavy recon. Yeah, that's sweet. I love that, dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think as soon as I started going to elementary school and um, kind of hanging with other kids, I realized like I was um, not, you know, like going to be one of the popular kids. Just for whatever reason, I'm sure a lot of kids go through this where they're just like, they feel different, has no clue why, and uh, just is different and has like kind of social anxiety from the beginning because they don't know how like they're fitting in or or why they're not fitting in. And there's a lot of questions and and, like uncertainty. And um, that was that was heavy for me, for sure. And I didn't really have any friends uh, in elementary school, which which was which was really tough at the time. Didn't really want to be there when I was at school. So if you're sitting there and your teacher's telling you like you you got to read this and that and learn this and that, it's like hard to focus when your mind just wants to go home and play video games. That was like kind of a like dark hole to be in. It just kind of set me up for this um just being bullied a lot and and just getting, just being like abused and, and mentally abused and both on the physical and, and the mental game, you kind of like a beaten dog kind of thing, you know, and not knowing how to fight back at all, like not having any sort of confidence or knowing what to do that put me like in a, in a, in a hole, like in a, in a depression, you know, um, it, I was depressed probably, you know, yeah. like that's probably kids, the, the, kids the, the are term, cruel, man, too, the term right? for it, you know, like kids just being brutal. Yeah, kids are brutal. So it's, yeah. yeah, there's no filter. There's no, like, yeah. there's no concern. There's no nothing, which, you know, I'm, I'm not blaming those guys for that. You know, like yeah, I they went probably th- had their own problems. I went through a time to too, where that was like, you know, I wanted to, to fight back, but I didn't know how it got, it got really dark to a point where I like, I don't know what to do. Like it was, I felt like it was kind of rock bottom. How you know? old were like, you at this point? Like anywhere from, from five years old to between five and 12 years old wow. uh, before you switch to the next uh, level in Norway, which would be junior high school, maybe. Yep. Because uh, you do that from 12 or 13 to 15 or 16 when you go on to high school or, or our version of that, you know? Yeah. Uh, so snowboarding kind of just showed up. I found, uh, found it through my cousin because he got a snowboard and, and he was one of, one of the ones in my family that I looked up to. He was a little bit older. And he was like, in my eyes, the shit, you know, and every time we would hang, it was, it was on. Um, and I could like open up and kind of just be whatever around him. And he got a snowboard. I wanted a snowboard and it just kind of showed up. And then there was love there. You straight up acceptance maybe. Well, I was, I found something I was good at. Okay. You know, I found something I was you good were at. You good right from the go, huh? Like, or, or just, I don't know, nothing else mattered. Yeah. You know, like all the bullshit didn't matter there on the mountain. And then uh, through that, I found new friends like our friends in the first place, kind of, you know, like yeah. real, real friends uh, through snowboarding. And there was love there. I didn't think about anything else for all those reasons. It was freaking beautiful, man. Like it was like, finally it was just like this, uh, this, this weight lifted. And I felt like I was just flying. I got a lot of inspiration from snowboard videos. When I wasn't snowboarding, I was just watching VHSs. My first one was the revival by Kingpin technical difficulties and, and simple pleasures and, and um, 
some there was some Mac Dog, there was some Kingpin, there was some standard films. So that was all I would do when I wasn't snowboarding was just watch snowboarding. And I was and when I wasn't snowboarding or watching it, I would just think about it, mm-hmm. you know, or dream about it. You think that you since you had all that like pent up angst from being bullied and having a rough time that you almost had like a release too or something like that? It, it just gave me kind of a tunnel vision. Yeah. Where where nothing else mattered, you know. The release comes later, because uh, love a good release, always down, hundred <laughs> uh, percent. But I just it it allowed me to just put it to the side, you know. But it was still in there, and it just I think it gave me a lot of fire to like, I don't want to do anything else. This is what I'm doing right. This is my life. This is all I want to do. Nothing else matters. Like my teachers telling me I'm stupid or my friends telling me my so-called friends telling me I'm not going to do like, what is, what are you doing? Yeah. You're not going to be like, that's not a job. Didn't matter because to me it was my only, my world was really small at that point in a really good way. Um, So I was incredibly lucky to find snowboarding uh, at the time because the other option was, was uh, ending it. I think really when you hit rock bottom that hard, it's like, it was like, it was that bad. huh? It kind of felt like I was already dead anyways. I didn't, I didn't come from a, like a poor home or anything like that. Like we we're okay, you know? And, and, uh, and I was really fortunate that way, but the mental shit, man, that people can go through, you, you hear about it a lot, you know, especially these days yeah, too. You hear about it a lot now. Yeah. It's a big, um, big issue. You know, it doesn't matter where you're from, what background you have or the color of your skin. Like you can, can hit you can, anybody. That can go really dark. So I was really lucky to find snowboarding because mm-hmm. it kind of got me out of the hole, I think. Fucking saved your life to a degree almost. Could be. I, th- I think so. I, my mountain was real small. It was called Vasfjellet. Uh, Fjell means uh, mountain in uh, Norwegian. They would have these like little like regional contests come through. And, and it got to a point where I was like, maybe like I asked like some of my older friends that I looked up to. I remember uh, my buddy Olde and Sigurd. I got to shout out some of those guys because it just helped me so much. Old Sunstar, Sigurd, Hagen, Morten Salnes, Fintaria. In my little bubble, they were like my heroes, other than my fantasy heroes, which were in the snowboard movies. They were like, you should enter. It, it wouldn't, hadn't even crossed my mind to like be competing in snowboarding. I was just like fantasizing in the videos and just doing the damn thing on the mountain. So for me, when a contest came around, I was just like, you know, like, what do I do? Like, should I sign up? Like, I don't know. And then, I don't know, I just signed up. And then there was also, like, a bus that came from Oslo with uh, people, like, kids from, from that school, the the sports school that came down. They were older. They were also entering the contest because the schools would drive uh, the bus around for, for those regional contests. And they showed up, and I was like, well, those guys are here. What do we do now? You know, and then I, I did the contest, and I ended up winning the contest. And that kind of flipped a little switch in me. And I think it flipped a switch in my mom. Like, shout out to my mom, too, because Tulare. Uh, Give your um, mom the air horn. She's an angel. Yeah. She's just been there. She saw it, too, when I, I think when I found snowboarding or it showed up for me, then, then she was like, she just wanted me to be happy. And she saw that this was something. She that saw maybe, the change in you. Yeah. Yeah. And she was hyped. I think she was hyped for me. When the contest happened, I won the contest. She was like, Oh, and I was like, huh? That's you know? a big deal. And it was like, okay, maybe this thing is like, 
maybe there's more to it other than just flying down the mountain. Gives you some confidence too. It does all kinds of stuff for you. Yeah, and our mountain was funny, man. It was like we had a little half pipe, like a little 13-foot half pipe, and the, the shaper would sometimes shape it. Sometimes he would just like take the pipe cutter down the, the one wall and then just peace out. <laughs> and, <laughs> Later, guys. and not do the other wall really? and it was just kind of like whatever we made the best of it you know that was the You're rails hitting one side that, that day yeah i remember when they first like got some some rails they were like planted between the the end of the run and the parking lot for a long time too and we kind of just had to build our own takeoffs and, and make it work and try to like emulate what we saw in um, in the fantasy videos. Yeah. JP Walker and Jeremy Jones and all those guys like trying to like just do the same shit. But it was, it worked, you know? Like it, I think it just ingrained this whole like make the best of the situation kind of thing. The the jumps were all right some days and and uh but most of it it was just like riding the bumps and training finders and just hitting whatever we could on the mountain just using the whole thing. You know, tight trees. Uh, the powder would be good like two days out of the whole season. And uh, we just made those days were like very precious, you know, <laughs> two powder days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just didn't really know what that was. Yeah. Even, you know, it was just like, let's catch, let's get out, let's there. catch some air, Yeah, you know, wherever we can. I guess I'm kind of just going a little on, no. the, on the chronological no, that, that's, side no, that's, that's, here. That's dope. Um, it sounds like this is really what, but that can kind of up. fast forward to that school because like that gave me the confidence to apply for the school. Yep. Uh, but you had for to the, straight up apply. Yeah, for the sole reason of getting, I knew it was just a ticket to be able to snowboard more and do less school. But this it school's was, pretty prestigious. Like, like the people that come out school. of it, like isn't Stale from that school? And I think Stale went there maybe for a year. Okay. Mikkel Bang, Freddie Ospo. But going in that school, we would go start to go to all of those regional contests around the country. Is this school just a straight snowboard school? Kind of like Stratton Mountain. No, school, they, so they had uh, alpine ski racing, like a winter Nordic school. skiing, curling. curling. They did not have curling. <laughs> they uh, the Nordic where they also fire the weapon. Oh wow! They, they have yeah, like yeah, they yeah. carry a rifle and yep. you got to shoot. I think it's biathlon maybe. Yeah, they do. They yeah yeah they same ski and shoot. Right? Yeah yeah ski yeah. and shoot. Yeah yeah shoot skeet shoot skeet 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 skeet. <laughs> but shooting uh, out of like the we were the smallest classes. Uh, out of the whole school, like there was a lot of alpine ski racers and stuff like that. Um, but we would start touring like every weekend in the winter to all these regional events. And I just started like winning almost all of them, I think. And the second year, my good friend, Torigeir uh, Bade, his parents were going to go. Um, they actually invited me to go out of the country to go to Livigno in Italy for the Burton European Open Junior Jam. And they would kind of be my guardians for the trip and talk to my mom and, like, they could take care of me. We just went for it. And that was really, really exciting, I remember. I bet leaving the country yeah. for the first time for snowboarding. Yeah, it was insane. And it was, like, uh, such a huge, like, barrier, you know, and, and being on a different mountain in a different country, like, so far away from home. The contest organizer was like, yeah, now you get to ride the big leagues. So you get to ride the, the pro contest, like, the actual European Open with, like, you know, well, because you got overall. Arrow Etala and, and Heike Sorsa and my European heroes. When we showed up, I showed up 16 to this giant contest in my eyes, and we show up the first morning for the riders' meeting. And this guy, Drew Stevenson, he was like the starter. He shows up at like 10 in the morning, still drunk, walks into the riders' meeting. All right, everybody shut the fuck up. <clears throat> this is how it's going to go. And that was, I remember that so vividly because. <laughs> <laughs> just like a little kid in the corner, like so excited. 
And it's like, this is how it works, huh? Okay. Um, and all my heroes in the room and everything, but got to the pro thing. The, the contest was kind of, the weather got kind of shitty and we uh, had to like find a hotel for the night and just walked into a ho- random one, like across the street from the train station in Innsbruck. The hotel I found was pretty sketchy and they, my bank called me a couple of days later when uh, I came back to Yalo for the school and they're like, Hey, did you s- spend 15,000 euros uh, two days ago in <laughs> Innsbruck? Stolen. <laughs> I was like, I'm 16 and no, I don't have that money. <laughs> oh, they, someone actually <laughs> they tried to shit. like, yeah, they 15,000 euros. That's a lot of money. Yeah. They swiped my card. So it was that seedy of, of a hotel. <laughs> But it worked out. Yeah, it you worked know? out. The banks actually always have your back on that scenario. Yeah. And then, um, so the last year of that school, uh, shout out to Thomas Hostad. I think he works for, he works for Red Bull now, but he was also the uh, team manager for the Norwegian team prior to that. He's worked for Nike in DC. Um, but he was, he was one of the super pros in Norway and he was a part of the Storbis crew, which is uh, also Aero Etela and, and uh, some, some more Finnish guys and, and, they invited me to come on a trip to the U.S. They were going to go through like Big Bear and maybe go to Mammoth. And they had these park shoots up, kind of lined up and uh, and everything was kind of like just taken care of. He was going to pick me up at the airport. Um, so I just kind of ran with it. Did you have good English at this point? No. No. <laughs> no. no. Your English is dope now. I can just imagine fre- fresh off the plane what it was like for you. We learn English pretty young age you uh, do at in, school. in Norway. Uh, so the fundamentals are there, but the accent kind of just disappeared later. And um, my first time seeing Big Bear, I was fucking blown away. It was insane. Like real rails and boxes and jumps. The whole mountain was a park. I was like, holy shit. This is this is real. This is here and now. We were doing it. And I went to Mammoth and we went to Tahoe. And then I was riding for Rome at the time. Um, shout out to uh, Morten Salines who put me on. He was like the, the Norwegian, thank you, uh, uh, rep for Rome <laughs> and put me on. And uh, I was in Tahoe on the U.S. trip and I met Mike Paddock there and he gave me a ride to Keystone. But I got to ride Keystone. I got to ride Super Park. I got to see a lot of a lot more heroes. And um, that was probably pretty overwhelming, huh? The size of the jumps and. Oh, I didn't give a shit. Yeah, you were probably hyped. Uh, yeah, whatever it was, just you know, it was go time. So that was that was cool. I was just in, just flowing at the time. It was. How'd that super park go for you? I think good. Yeah, I think I made an impression. I, I'm not sure. Um, but I did get an on deck interview uh, mm-hmm. out of that from from that the, means ben, you the, made the Ben fee. Was it the sure. year with the stop sign that was? Yeah, I remember that. The year. Stop yeah, sign, the, stop the, sign. the basketball hoop. Yeah, the basketball hoop. Oh yeah, the basketball. Yeah, I remember get Chuck, stuck in the basketball Ch- hoop. Chaz was doing. Chaz like was definitely forties or some shit. Yeah, he, he was, was going off. Throw an air, air Let's horn get out. Chuck G. Get Chuck an air G. horn. Let's give him an air horn. The man. Yeah. Yeah. Chuck G. He the man. Dope. He's. I a remember shit. that super park. Yeah, that was, that was pretty sick. I love that dude. Yeah, me too. He's a good, good dude. He's a good dude. So, so shit basically started like popping off for you, fucking big time. Well, it was kind of all happening, right? So. I think I kind of realized it then after getting uh, to be a part of like a dinner with those DC dudes at the time, like, and they kind of explained to me how they were going to start making boards. And it was like going to be this like secret at the time. And they were rebuilding the team. And I got to hear the the names on that list. 
Um, and I was gonna, I was invited to be on the global AM team for DC. Uh, and I was going to be on with Chaz and Jonas and, uh, the pro team was going to be Eddie wall, Devin Walsh and Ika Backstrom, wow. Lowry, high Aaron Bittner. Big shout out to Aaron Bittner. Yeah. That's sick. That's a All those crew. dudes. Yeah. I mean, that was heavy squad. And, and I've been watching the mountain lab videos and I was like, this is okay. This is what it feels like to kind of start. It's starting to happen. It was like starting to really fly. And, uh, and I, I just couldn't really believe it. I was in it. So I was just, I kind of just ran with it. I don't know. It's just magical. Yeah. Yeah. And then shortly after that, like you came on the, basically the contest scene and you proceeded to just fucking win everything. Right. I, I always just wanted to film. That was my dream as a kid. I wanted to be in the videos that I was watching, you know, and then, but, but I was good at contests. So I was just, I figured I just, okay, I can just keep doing these. And I kept getting invited to bigger contests and I was like, okay, it'd be cool to do the X games. It'd be cool to do the, the Aaron style in, in Munich. It would be cool to do. And I got all these invites and I, I kept doing well, you know? So Rewinding a little bit, every contest I went to in Norway, I would always look for like whoever was around with the camera. When I saw somebody with a sick camera, I would just roll up and be like, hey, when the contest is done, you want to film some shit? Just like some random whatever we can find. And they were just down, you know, like I think they were just maybe surprised that the kid like walked up to them like, let's get some shots. Not everyone always does that. Just in the park or whatever, you know, and I, I ran into... Peter Fossug, who also needs a big shout out, because uh, but he was uh, he he started Factor Films, which was a uh, like another European uh, Scandinavian kind of. Um, he was the one that first started filming Aki Helgeson, and then later on Haldor yeah. uh, Helgeson, um, and uh, and and blew those guys up in the beginning. But that got my like um, mindset to always be filming whenever I could, um, and I was always into like editing myself too, and like film us buddies would film each other all the time and, and just get used to like working with footage and like, would these filmers let you have footage or is it only when you filmed each other? Uh, Petter was real good about it. They like would he shoot just, stuff? Yeah. But he would, he was, I was also just kind of trusting him cause he was good at yeah. editing and making his own movies and kind of had his own thing going. So I got to know what it felt like to be at a local premiere with, uh, like with a, a video part and stuff like that and just be a part of like that a project too, kind of in Norway. And then later on, I got the opportunity to film standard films and Mike Hatchett, the hatchets and, and those guys. And, and I just found out like that season or next season, I was going to be filming for them. Those movies were big back then. Yeah. So standard was a big deal. Standard mm-hmm. was a huge deal. I remember deal. the first one I filmed for it's called Aesthetica. And it was, um, well, I actually got to be on a shoot the prior year with whiteout films, basically the whole like, the Wildcats mm-hmm. for one shoot in uh, in Copper Mountain. Mm-hmm. Also, while we're at, while we're talking about filming, I feel like we should maybe get into name that video part. Yes. What do you think? Yeah, we're we usually do it way sooner than this. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, you ready? Yeah. You got to put your headphones on for this. Yeah. Because when we're doing headphones name that video part, mandatory. Okay. You got to be able to hear. Okay, here we go. Name that video part. Name That Video Part is presented by The Dew Tour, which Torstein has uh, won a few of over the years. I saw on your stat sheet. Stat sheet. Yeah, I got the stats. <laughs> <laughs> got some stats. Heavy stats. <laughs> He's got some great stats. All right, well, Torstein. He's got stats. 
How confident are you feeling? You're, you know, you talked about it earlier. You're a student of the game. You watch the videos. How are you feeling about name that video part? Yeah, my my memory is not the the best um, these days, but I can back that, dude. I know <laughs> how that goes. You and buds are <laughs> long term memory is like not the best. My present moment is. It sounds good. like if you hit one of those early movies, though, those always you never well, forget those. All right, here we go. Let's see how he does. Let's see what's up. Is I it a robot no food? I have it no is clue. Edited, I will say it's edited by a person who is involved with robot food. That's a hint. Uh, I'm at a blank with this one. I'm at a total blank. Okay, well, you I've know heard, I, I recognize the song. I, I have seen it I in don't the video. All right, how about this? Song. We'll leave that one up for potentially the listeners. See if he can in get case, the next one. In case you can guess the next one. We got another one. And if one not, it's up. a double. <laughs> and I'm going to go ahead and say this next one is one of my least favorite video parts songs of all time. Uh, but I love this guy. No care. dice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know dog. what? We'll uh, we'll leave it as a two parter. That's embarrassing. Listeners. We'll leave it. Hey, no, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Um, yeah, we'll leave it as a two parter. You know what? Actually, I'll tell you guys the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Because they can figure out the second one. It's uh, Simone Chamberlain DC Mountain Lab video. Oh. I'm just doing 360 nose presses and what? Okay. See, that makes sense because uh, it was Pierre. Mm-hmm. Vicberg yeah, making the, those videos. Yeah, you the editor, the style. Yeah. So you were close. Yeah, same editor, the first same Mountain feel. Movie. I'll give you that. They're, they're, that's uh, in yeah, the ballpark. That's in the ballpark. All right, well, that I'm going to uh, take us away from name that video part. Major shout out to the Dew Tour for supporting the bomb hole. Yeah, props. Shout out to the Dew Tour. Yeah, Mucho I would have. Uh, if I ever had to sit in that seat and do name that video part, I would never get them. So it's a pressure, you know. It's pressure. Yeah, yeah, only, yeah. and it's a snippet too. I've it's seen the so segment fast. on the on the tube. Yeah, you know what's um, up. Builds it up. A lot of yeah. people enjoy it. Um, but you know what it feels like when you uh, when you start getting clips for the first time. Oh yeah, you know the feeling. Yeah, we clip call high. that clip high. We call over that a clip high. Yeah. yeah. Like a drug. It's like, it's a, drug. like a drug. Yeah. Yeah. And you like, it, it's really motivating. You yeah. want more yeah. and more and more. Yeah. Like it's working. Yeah. And when you're young, it's almost insatiable though. It's like, you just gotta get, you, you gotta, can't get enough of it. You can't get enough clips. Yeah. Yeah. You ever feel like that? Like, it's just like more, like you're just eating clips for, it doesn't matter. Like <laughs> all day, every day. And you're doing that and you're doing. Content. Yeah. What was your, what was your first crew? Uh, I kind of grew locally. up filming with Scotty Stevens and Austin Granger and uh, Chris Beresford. We made our own little videos, and then we ha eventually had a filmer. Yeah. But, yeah. What about you? What was what was going on when you started filming? You white out films? You went right into the big dogs? Pretty well, much. well, I started I started with uh, Factor Films. Factor uh, Films, yeah. They were sick movies, man. They were really cool. and um, But they, it kind of just set me up for, like, it pushed me to learn a lot of new tricks at each time we were out filming too so that that helped a lot and then but uh filming for for uh white out films and then second mountain lab movie i got to be a part of when i was kind of became an am for dc i got to go to the mountain lab for the first time and they had a partnership with uh yamaha and they had some like four stroke they had a four stroke thousand just whales, man. These things heavy. It was as like hell. a they, small car. They basically just get buried in the yeah. deep snow. And I got stuck. And it was like a five man job to get that thing out. And so I was heavy. so like 
Like he's a thousand pounds. It's insane. So I got stuck. Obviously, you always get stuck the first time you ride powder on yeah. a snowmobile, and uh, got the whole crew to help me out. But it taught me really quickly to not get stuck. Yeah, because I didn't want it's the worst thing in the, the world. The whole crew to shut down whatever we were doing because I got stuck. So I re- I learned really fast um, how to keep up on a snowmobile and and how to ride it in powder and not get stuck. Like don't don't park it uphill, facing up. Like pro yeah. tip. I kind of want to chime in to something that Andy Wright said. I was doing a little Intel recon mission about Torstein, and I talked to Andy Wright, the photographer. Shouts. Shout out to Andy. Um, And he said, quote, unquote, I have never seen anyone as driven as Torstein. And uh, I just thought that was a – he's filmed a lot of people. You know, he's filmed just about everybody. And it is – That means a lot. It is pretty cool. Like, you you know, it takes a special type of person to – Film video parts and be winning contests and doing both. Most times it's one or the other, and that seems like it could be. A, do you think that is attributed to your work ethic at all? Or uh, it was probably just the tunnel vision lingering. Yeah, you know, I still had a lot of fire from that, and a lot of um, there was still. I think the anger I had inside from my childhood just I put that into working as hard as I could and and making the most out of. Because as soon as I started feeling like I was making it, I was like, "Okay, this is precious. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna screw this up. I want to every moment I can. I'm just gonna make the most of it, and, and I want to make this last because this is feeling good." Yeah. After that taste with Pierre Wickberg and the DC crew, and the next year I was gonna be on with Standard Films and filming with Chaz and and all these dudes, and um, mostly out in Tahoe and. Uh, getting into like some, some real backcountry kind of on from there. I didn't shoot with Andy until, till later, but, um, it was really cool. Like filming for standard the first year, they were still filming 16 millimeter, the whole movie It's called Aesthetica. Uh, and that was strange. Yeah. It's going through like the whole season and not really knowing if you had anything or what was happening. And but you don't get to see your clips. No. And it got to a point where I was like, okay, I don't, like, I can't really focus too hard on how this goes. I can just try to like stay here now and like make the most out of each one and try as hard as I could. And I remember some of those filmers for standard were, um, remember my first backcountry jump was out in Idaho and I was filming with Kazu and this guy, um, Ando, Chris Anderson, shout out to him. Taught me a lot. Um, he, um, like I hit the first jump and I, I got, I remember I got a back seven I got a front seven and it was like this huge step down and I was like eating a lot of shit. And, and I think I hit the thing like maybe 20 times or something. It was so beat up, but it like kept me like, I kept asking him like, was that it? You think that was it? He's like, do it again. <laughs> you know, just, if you're not sure, it's not it, you know? And it wasn't like, I didn't know what it felt like to be sure. Yeah, you, you weren't know? even sure. The huh? trick felt good, <laughs> but as soon as I asked him, I was like, if you're not, if you're asking me, do it again, you know? And that would probably, your confidence, you're just like, oh, I guess I'll do it again. It was a long session. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if, yeah. You're not, if you're not sure, do it again is great advice, though. That is good advice, because then at least you know you got it. Well, it got, it got definitely put ingrained in this thing where, like, if you're, like, it helped me push my riding outside of filming, too. 
because I had to, all I had to go on was the feeling. You couldn't review and be like, does it look good? Yeah. It was like, it has to feel right. And that helped me a lot, I think, too, just along the way. Like, if it doesn't feel good, then it's not it. Yeah. You know? Because you can feel it when it feels like the one. When it's the one, when you're it's like, the one. perfect. With my mental time frame era right now, like, you're, at this time, you're pretty much the only one doing, like, switchback 12s and shit, right? Is that when you were doing, like... That first year filming for Standard was the first time I got to go to the X Games, too. Yeah. And uh, that was the... F- I got to... I got invited to hit the big air yeah. and I did the first like switchback 12 and won the X games, uh, for the first time, uh, mid season, basically filming for standard. Um, and that, that's insane. Pulling that, that both of that off. Dude. I can't incredible. remember if I got a yeah, that's, 12 that's nuts. in that, in that video. I don't think so. I think I got maybe, yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter, but, um, I think I like finally learned that trick for real at that contest. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that, that was moment. that was you came on the scene hot with that. Like nobody was, and this is also the. Well, I didn't know how to do that trick until I was like the mindset of going. I'm here at the X Games. Like I wasn't expecting to win. I'm just gonna try to learn something fucked, you know. And so you're doing nines and tens. Yeah, and then you're like, "Fuck it, I'm going twelve. Going twelve. Yeah, I'd learned how to like. I wanted to do a front ten like Andreas, wig, the wig meister, Norwegian, yeah, the king. Superhuman. Yeah. Superhuman. Yeah, I love that dude. Because uh, he had, like, I felt like he had, the, in my eyes, the sickest front tens with the indie grab. And mm-hmm. um, so I had those. And I, I just, my mind was just like, all right, I'll just do a quick switch back 180 and go into that 10. You know? Oh, yeah, that's how you, that makes sense when I picture you doing them. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I just, like, yanked that switch back out as hard as I can. And then just, I think I grabbed uh, stale fish. Like switch melon grab for it, um, and it just I just landed it and rode away. I was like I couldn't believe Crazy. it. <laughs> and I tried some weird like I I don't know. X but Games just eats that, that up point. too, you were right? Twenty three? No, twenty twenty one, twenty two. Twenty one, twenty two. Twenty one, twenty two. X Games fucking gold and big air, and you. It's just a trip to think like that must have been a crazy adjustment because I mean kid. Bullied growing up, not the best. Like that must have been fucked up having the everybody, yeah, everyone on the you, world, all, all eyes on you. You win the contest, yeah. The, the what attention was, that? What was, was that like? Like all of a sudden having that in attention, it was crazy, it was crazy for you, huh? It was, uh, uh, it was a lot for sure. Something I was you weren't just, used to. Not, not at all. But it felt like I was just in it, and I was just kind of running with it, and I was having so many new experiences. And my team manager was like, yeah, you need to have a truck now. You just get a truck. You can buy my old truck. I got a good deal. <laughs> Shout out to Sean Lake. And he was oh, the, Sean Lake. Yeah, he was the DC manager at the time. And, uh, and I got a snowmobile uh, and started filming for Standard and, and then the X Games. And it was kind of just flying. And I was the train was, like, moving in front of me. I just jumped on, you know. It was, like, time to go. And it was like all the, I wasn't thinking about the old shit anymore. Yeah, you were just another part of that train was the DC jump in the car cover is right around that same time, right? That was like the following uh, summer because we went down. I got invited to go down. That was actually my first team trip with the whole team. Yeah. Not just like the AM guys, but like the whole squad. And, And Ken was there, obviously. Ken Block, solid dude. He gets an uh, air horn. We're gonna give him an air that horn. That guy has enabled a lot of uh, kids to to follow and pursue their dreams. 
Um, but he was there, and then we were going to have a morning shoot at Snow Park, New Zealand. Uh, it's right between Wanaka and uh, Queenstown. I didn't really know what was going on. We get up there like 7 in the morning, and this is a, he's got his rally car there, and then he starts ripping the mountain with it. And Pierre's filming it. Um, the mountain opens at 9 a.m., and he's still ripping the mountain. And then he's like, I want to hit that jump. And it's not a jump built for cars. It's the bottom biggest park jump for in the in the line. Whoa. And he pulls up. There was two giant jumps in a row. And he pulls up on the deck of the first jump. And that and he's just gonna roll in. He sent and this is snowboard, poppy ass snowboard <laughs> jump. That's is that's nuts. And then that's, the first go was so insane because I was watching it from the deck that of that first. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> and I, I I was watching it from the deck of that first jump, like him rolling down. And then hitting the fucking snowboard jump with his WRX, and he was nose diving so heavy. <laughs> I thought he was gonna like crash and then you know yeah, do flip. like tomahawk down the landing with the car, but he like barely like barely made it. And then he put a bunch of weight in the trunk. Oh, I think they just like grabbed some like sandbags or something and put it in the trunk. And he's like, "Yeah, let's go." And then we started hitting him with him, and we got those clips, and that ended up being, like, the cover of Snowboarder Magazine in my first. Dude. Like, I did a front seven next to him. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. That, that was, had that to was, be pretty wild. That was crazy. <laughs> I was like, I'm spinning front side because I'm going to drift away. <laughs> yeah, away from this <laughs> I'm car. I'm going to drift away from that thing. And it wasn't, like, a wide jump either. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, How is you in that, that car? It was like, I'll go right. You go left. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Sure. Let's do it. And, and just put sandbags hearing that, in the yeah, trunk. Da, 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 like hearing that car come <laughs> <through> the- <laughs> Just freaking. That was a rally car. I fucking love when Richards, he's like, get that damn car off the mountain. In the DC Mountain Lab video, it's like driving all around. And shit. Yeah. But a uh, side note on that is uh, right next to Snow Park was a facility called Snow Farm. And that would be an actual uh, car testing facility for new cars coming out. They would like ship cars with like, uh, they would be all hidden and like have the coat, like the, the drapes over them. So nobody, uh, they would just secretly ship them there to test them on snow. Oh, really? Uh, during, you know, the, the, their wintertime, our summer. And, uh, so he had another shoot planned over there and had a, it was going to be like a bigger, like a, a jump built for him because they're running the same snow cats, I think. <clears throat> and at this point, we were there too, obviously, and and we were like gonna play with him, and it was gonna be a part of the segment. And Ken was unsure about the speed, so he asked me to speed check the jump for him, which doesn't make sense. Like, let me follow you in on a car. Basically. No, so he would. I was like, sure, like whatever he you need. Towed you in. So the he flat. would tow me into yeah. the jump, and oh, I, w- I, I would whip out of the the tow, and then hit the jump. And then come back to Ken. He was like, what do you think? Uh, I'm like, uh, well, you know. I'm not a car. Th- I'm not a car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I made it. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's it. But, you know, maybe a, a little, like, I lose a lot of speed when I let go of the rope. That's all I told him. He's like, I think I got it. And he overshot the fuck. Because they have that deep gas at the end. So they're going to definitely... He overshot the whole thing to, to the to the parking lot. No, he like compressor fractured his back. Oh wow! This is um, after the big jump. Yeah, this is after the the park uh, the snowboard park jump. 
So, so that was the end of that thing. And I felt so bad because I didn't, I didn't find out till later that he had compressed his back because yeah. he seemed fine. And, uh, he actually gave me a ride in the, and like, I got a ride along in his car afterwards. He was just ripping turns, but I think his adrenaline too, like if you yeah. get, there's, there's a hundred different ways you can break your back at a hundred million different levels, you know? So yeah, you can, it could be pretty minor. I think he was just, you know, he had to chill pretty hard after that. Well, now it makes, it makes more sense on the downhill. So did he gauge his speed to clear the downhill jump off of just following your speed on a snowboard? Is that how he figured it out or just eyeballed it? The snowboard jump, he eyeballed. He did. Oh, okay. yeah. The other one that was more private. Yep. He was just like, he got his car up to a constant speed. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't continuously like um, accelerating, and then we got up to that constant constant speed. And I decked it one time, and then pulled out. He went a little bit faster, and then I cleared it. And then he, I think he went the same speed and yep. overshot the whole crazy. thing. That's so yeah. crazy. All right, so while we're we're moving right along, I, I got to go through some of these statistics we were talking earlier. This guy's got some heavy stats. Heavy stats. Um. So, you know, you came on the contest scene. You basically won everything there is to win. X Games medals. You won Rider of the Year cover. X Games, Dutour Gold, European Open Gold. And then you start doing, you do the first ever Switchback 12, first ever Triple Cork in, I think, filmed, and then in contest, and then in Depow, right? Is that correct? Uh, Yeah. Well, let's talk about the damn Triple Cork for a second, because that thing's a freaking... Mm-hmm meat helicopter that was probably <laughs> just in meat helicopter dude like <laughs> jesus christ like giving that thing some vinegar must have got the blood flowing i'd imagine yeah <laughs> yeah that was a trip uh i was at a park shoot in norway with a skier crew called field productions because they were kind of the ones putting on the best like jump shoots at a time and i, I was friends with the dudes and i got to tag along and I was just like, anytime you got a shoot coming up, I want to just come join, and uh, I'll I'll pay you guys for the footage because I knew it was expensive. He was a young cat too, um, this guy Philip, uh, like just super young, but like putting all of his money into cameras and stuff like that. And I was on his first like uh, shoot where he hired a helicopter and was dangling his feet outside the door and stuff like that. And uh, I was just like, dude, if I can be a part of this, like I'll I'll pay you for the shots and we'll. Uh, and I'll I'll ship him to to Pierre for that first Mountain Lab movie. That's how I kind of got rolling with that crew, uh, which thankfully I got paid back for. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I kind of just put a blind investment in that because that was a lot of money to spend on a on a shoot for me uh, that early. But I just I I knew it was worth it, uh, so I got a couple extra shots in the Mountain Lab 1.5, and then the next year, I think two years later we were at a shoot. And he had this giant step-down jump out in Stranda, Norway. Uh, and and I was doing some double corks on it. And I was like, there's a lot of time here. And I got my mind spinning on like, I wonder if I could do, th- you know, another one of those and make it three. Uh, it was like a front double ten. Yeah. Um, and because I was like a huge fan of that trick at the time. Yeah. Front double ten. I think after seeing like how sick Halder was doing them as well because he won the x games the following year uh with the front double 10 and uh he's just like sickest style so i was hugely inspired by that and that was like the first real double cork i learned how to do uh and then that sent me into like yeah that whole summer i could not stop thinking about trying one of the, trying a triple at least to figure out if i could do it or not 
you know, because it was unknown territory for me and, and I think everyone at the time. Uh, and uh, Philip called me. He's like, hey, I got a, another shoot coming up, Fauna, Fogifauna. And, and I was like, how's the jump going to be? And he's like, oh, it's going to be this kind of like step over thing. Like, we're going to just try to make it as big and good as possible. And I was like, maybe that's it. You know, I didn't tell him. I didn't tell anyone that I wanted to try because I didn't want that pressure. Like I yeah. didn't tell, I didn't want to make a big deal out of it. And if I didn't pull it off, like I wasn't doing it for, I just, I was doing it for me at the time. I couldn't get it out of my head. Half the motivation too was probably like, it would be sick to have that trick in a video part. Cause I was, like I said, filming for standard at the time and I uh, wanted to give it some juice. But I went there, I told my roommate in Oslo at the time, like, Hey, I'm going to go see my mom. <laughs> I don't know why I said that, but. And I jumped in the car and drove to Folgafona and the, didn't sleep that night, obviously, and woke up the next morning, went up, shaped the jump by myself. And I, at the time, like a lot of, like most of the Norwegian snowboard scene could recognize me. Like in Norway at the time, I was uh, like, a, I had a name, you know, so kids would recommend, recognize me on hill because I won the X Games and stuff. So yeah, that's I went up deal. to Folgafona and I, I w- was wearing all black <laughs> <laughs> and that's not normally and like what you a do. face mask and just not like and i went to the jump and raked it and shaped it myself because i told your roommate you're going to see your mom show up wearing all black yeah and i <laughs> you didn't want shaped, anyone i wanted this. to be stealth as fuck because i didn't want any <laughs> that that i don't know why i did that but that's just how i handled it yeah. at the time just because i was like no if, it, if, it, if it fails nobody even knew i was here trying that shit but it worked out and i got it after like I actually broke my ankle on the fifth or sixth try. Wow. Like my ankle blew up and I knew it was fucked. And, uh, and I was like, but I was so close cause I'd gone for it and I'd made it around. But on one of those, I like, I just hooked my toe edge so bad. And like my ankles, like I tore some ligaments and, and, uh, like my talus was like slightly fractured and, um, which I didn't find out till later. But at the time I was like, that's not good. And I just tightened my boa on my boot a little tighter and cranked the binding more because it was a T-bar. You didn't have to unstrap. And went up and tried one more time, didn't get it, and then one more time and got it. Whoa, with a messed up ankle. Yeah, and 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 that was such a relief. It was such a release, major release. That's love <laughs> a good relief. Yeah. But that was like, that was huge. Like the feeling I got from that was on. Did people there start to realize it was you? Or was well, I really... I'd put my costume on at this time. <laughs> uh, you did <laughs> once you were feeling comfortable. You were like, "All right, yeah, I had to put my a... my Cindy yeah. my Cindy outfit Let's throw on. on a brighter then, jacket." Yeah. If I remember correctly, you just kind of put this trick out, right? Didn't you just put it out on the internet? Yeah, right? it was such a like I had already started this like uh, video channel YouTube thing uh, called uh, Torstein.net yep. at the time, and uh, that was like one of the first videos that I put on there because I was just like, I don't know. I don't, I don't care anymore. Like, cause we had five angles or something. Yeah. Thing. We had three angles from Philip, but there was shit. other guys yeah. there that realized what was about to happen. Yeah. That were homies too. Yeah. I had homies on the mountain that day that didn't know I was there until I started and put my costume on. <laughs> That's crazy that you were so stealth like that. <laughs> and then they were like, they were filming too. Dude. So we ended up having like five angles or something. And then uh, one of the like more, uh, far away angles i put that up and then i saved all the other ones for the video the the bigger videos dude ninja was talking to him about this he was like bullshit that you didn't tell anybody 
because like you wrote for Monster at the time and they wanted to blow it out, I guess, or like obviously wanted to. I mean, it's a big, it's a big deal. deal. This yeah, guy does the first triple deal. cork. Like you could do a whole thing. And that's a big deal now. Yeah, and you just put it out on your own terms. Like pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I cool. remember they were a little bummed because too, because I had the the patch on my beanie on the wrong side, and then like the intro for it, they couldn't see the logo, and it was like this whole thing, and I was like. Wasn't sorry, I, like, thinking about. I didn't think I wasn't thinking about that, you know, like yeah. it was just, you know, I think I, I'm still not good at that. Like yeah. just, you were you thinking know. about getting it done, right? Yeah. You also yeah. did the first one in competition, right? Yeah. That one, I didn't make it all the way around for like the, the 14. So it was, uh, and when you do that trick and you, you don't make it around, it's not really that corked out. So it ended up being like a, like a 180 triple flip more or less. Uh-huh. Uh, too, but and you got bodied to try before, yeah. And I like triggered a migraine, and it was like all sorts of mess. But it was, um, yeah, that was the first. I'd call it more like a triple flip in contest, you know. But it was still the first of its triple kind, song. I guess. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like too with all this co- competing, you were more stoked on doing video the whole time too, huh? Well, it was always like the contest was a side thing. Yeah, and. It was something I got to do, but I got good at it. But it started slowly to take over a little bit more, too, because I was like kind of, I don't know, I wouldn't call it stuck riding contests, but all the contest people and there was a lot of money in that, too, and a lot of ego boosters. Yeah. There's a lot of like affirmations and like you're doing, you're on the right path, you're killing it. And I, you know, when you're killing it in contests, you're not just making money but you're making a lot of money for other people as well so they all want you there's to keep a lot going. of exposure and you know it was during the time i feel like in snowboarding when it was starting to transition from filming being the main thing to like slope style contest being like the main show and and i just kind of followed that you know but i was still just like let's we need to go film too um so it was always like juggling both but it was it was chill at the time because there weren't that many contests and I had the luxury of picking the biggest contests. I got to ride the X Games. I got to ride the Dew Tour that was just becoming a tour. And uh, the Aaron Style in Munich. Yep. Or the... Arctic uh, Challenge too, right? Yeah, that was earlier. Yep. Uh, when I, that, I was a lot younger for that when I got those invites. And the Nissan X-Trail in Tokyo Dome. That was mm. a huge one. Yeah, that I was remember a seeing deal. the footage of Arrow and his... Yeah. Know, looked like a yeah. crazy... That was experience. a lot of that was a lot of bisque too. <laughs> was it? You win that? Yeah. Did you win? Let's talk bisque. Let's talk about the bisque. Let's get like, into we the get bisque. Into the bisque. <laughs> what are we talking here? Uh, that was like uh, that was during like the major like come up when um, it's like 2008 or 2009 or something when uh, the car company was still putting a lot of bisque into into what? snowboarding. Really? Terms. I like you know yeah. terms. I'm learning from you guys. Yeah, he's <laughs> handling it well. <laughs> he threw it at us, too. Yeah. <laughs> so the car companies were putting up loot for the contests. Yeah, so this one was sponsored by Nissan. It was, like, in this huge, like, baseball indoor dome in That's Tokyo. That's crazy. Uh, Tokyo Dome. And they paid – and this was still when, like, all my filming heroes was still in the in the contest. Because it was a big air, right? Yeah, and it was, like, it wasn't going – it wasn't going past the 1080. It was like maybe like 900s and 720s even. They had like a jump into a quarter pipe and it had a quarter pipe jam separate. And it was just like people were just jamming. So it, it felt fun. like a jam. It was super fun. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to see these like, you got to see Nicholas Mueller do his 
his back fives and back seven Japans and like try a one foot back seven. And, and, you know, Sean White was there competing and like all these, like, it just felt really like special. And I was riding with Nico Bang and Jazz Goldemon was there and Kevin Pierce. Uh, so what's going on with the biz? Let's talk about the biz. Well, you get paid five thousand dollars just to show up. up. Everybody, everyone. Okay, that's good. You that's put up you in a five star hotel. That's how you do a contest. And as soon as you show up, here's five G's, that's, and that's like fifty thousand yen, I think. Yeah, yeah. That's how you get people to a contest. Yeah, right there. let's just keep it dollars because the conversion is kind of yeah. But Tricky. I ended up uh, winning. Or I got like eighth place or something in the quarter pipe, and then I got I won the big air, um, which means you also win a car, which you if you're not Japanese you can't take it home, but you get like ten G's or something instead, on top of the money. So that's like fifteen car? already, and then thirty for winning the thing. So like forty five G's. Whoa. Woo. Uh, and I was like 20, that's a good day twenty or something. 45 racks for a 20 year old. What the hell are you supposed to even do? Yeah, what'd you do? Well, I was going back to the US and I all of a sudden I learned that you can't bring 40, that kind of 40K money. With you. Oh, is it all cash? So I gave 10 G's to my team manager to carry for me and I gave 10 G's, I think, to Keir Dillon. <laughs> That's and, like sketchy, dude. <laughs> well, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know. Like, you know, I wasn't taking it to like. They literally gave you all cash, though. Yeah. That's, you watch it with Narcos. That's their, well, it was, it was all yen. It was all yen. All yen. Yeah. yeah. They're thinking you're and, a But Japanese I was just stopping dealer. over in the U.S. and then going to Norway to put it in my bank. Yeah. But you can't really But do I that. learned on the way over that this is not a good thing to do. Yeah. It's, you know? it's like it puts you in the heavy. So like, I was still not really guy. in the green, so to speak, when it came to like, because I still have 25 Gs in my pocket. Mm-hmm. Which is too much still, right? Yeah. And I was like, all right, I'll you're put 10 Gs in my my wallet and I'll put 10 G's in my travel folder and I'll put five G's in my sock or something, you know, like, did they catch you? No, it was oh, fine. Nice. It was totally chill. You guys smuggling the best. Yeah. Across the border. You basically to win a contest and smuggle it, but I'm sure you could approve. You know, I remember Pat Morris telling a story about Arctic challenge or something, smuggling some, you got to smuggle the money. Huh? Yeah. Well, they would do that. And like back in the day, they would just give you, I mean, the U S they would give you a check in hand yeah. usually, but, a lot of them were just like cash. That's crazy. They would just you know? get cash up like that. So, like here's, so we're figure ta- that out. We're talking 45 racks a contest, right? Can we talk about... Well, that was the biggest one. That well, was the biggest win. Can we That's, talk fiscal year contest winnings? Okay, you got a rough idea of like a good... The best year, maybe? Rough ballpark? Uh, well, there was a couple years. It was definitely six figures. Uh, like just a few A few years in a row. And then the energy drinks add on to that, right? They um, usually they started to. I was a little slow with that. I was, uh, I said no to the first energy drink sponsor offer. I didn't feel right about it at the time. And then, and then a, a year passed, and I was doing better, and the offers got bigger. And I was like, I can do a lot of good with this, you know, because I was always, I was starting to hire my own filmers and stuff, mm-hmm. and putting out more things. And I, it was, it was. I was like, well, if I have this now, I can I can pay for that, and I can bring him along, and and we can do, and we can start film. We can just film more, you know, mm-hmm. and just put out. Weren't you on Rockstar for a while? I was on Monster first, and then Rockstar. Still on. Rockstar. I'm still on Rockstar. There's a uh, shout out to Rockstar. At 
local gas station, there's a picture of you, like big banner. Here? From my house, yeah. Really? Yeah, I'll have to take a picture of it and send it to you. <laughs> Well, it's there up. all the time. It's, You'll get that photo tonight. No, it's not at Sevy. Oh, it's no, at, it's yeah. at a different one the other way, but I always see it. It's like an older photo. And it's just been up for years. Really? Yeah. All right. Well, you got to text me where it is so I can drive by yeah, and get an ego boost. Be like, so, what up? Just, do you know who this is? <laughs> just walk in the gas station. It's me. That's me up front. <laughs> just freak out. Like, don't know what to say. People, random people come by. Like, you're just, hey, hey, that's me right there. Do you know who that is? <laughs> I'll get you the address for that. Yeah. Well, multiple people brought up the fact that you pay out of pocket for your own filmers, you know? And I think that's an important lesson. Like, obviously, you worked hard. You were able to financially get to a place to do that. But it's kind of like not waiting around for something to happen. You're like, I'm going to, I want this guy to film. I'm going to pay for him to film. And that, there's something to be said for that. Because a, a lot of people just wait for a team manager to ha- hire a filmer or some shit, you know? Most cool. people, I feel like. Yeah. I don't I think it just made sense at the time, like uh coming out of the the triple cork, I had a lot of time on my butt because I was hurt. Um and uh it took a long time to heal. Like ankles take a shitload of time. Um and I was just like, I wanna do something different, you know. And I think it the early movies inspired me a lot with the bonus sections because I was so fired up of getting a little insight into these guys' lives, you know, just even if it was if it was just a one sentence next to their car loading their snow, their gear or something, whatever it was, like the bonus material, because like, I watch these things like front to back and getting uh, to that stage, I was like, this, I wanted to just bring a filmer along and like we can do our own thing, you know, because I'd already gotten like a, a couple, I got a, like an opener and an ender with Standard Films um, already and I was I was still going to film with them but I was like I can do more like there's more energy here like we can put out like and this lifestyle is kind of insane right now all the contests like that's going well and the parties and the traveling and then the filming and like the the double aspect there and everything uh so I brought over uh my homie Tobias Reistot and I was like cuz I'd seen some of his He'd made some DC videos in Norway, uh, and I just really liked his editing style. And I was like, "Hey, you want to travel with me and do this thing?" You know, and we he agreed to like, "Yeah, let's do like, let's try it. Let's go for two years." So we figured out, and at the end, we'll we'll just film a lot, we'll film as much as we can, and we'll put out videos. We'll start putting out videos continuously, and then hold on to the banger shit. And at the end of it, we'll put out a movie, which then ended up being uh, Horgasm. That was love orgasm. A love story, yeah. <laughs> which has 4.9 million views on YouTube, I lo- noticed. Which is fucking... People watch maybe, that thing. Maybe People still watch that thing. I'm, I still get comments on that. And I'm like, that's hilarious. Can we talk about the name? Can we talk about the name? What's going on with the name, bro? Orgasm. Orgasm. <laughs> I was so in love. Straight up. like, Or in the flow. That's where you the know, love like story staying, comes from. I was just like... I, you know, I was just in love with it. Everything, the, the you whole say thing. You're married to the game, for sure. You know, I definitely felt like that. And uh, and then Dex, who's like this uh, the character in the movie, he, he's like a stand-up comedian. I think he was like, "Let's." What about orgasm? Oh, he's the one who threw this name out. <laughs> he threw the name out, and I was like, "Ah, uh, it's a little like that's a lot," you know. 
So that conversation in the video is kind of real. Oh, that was yeah. real. The beginning. It wasn't how it went down. That was, was for sure a skit, yeah. you know, and he's not my agent and he never was. <laughs> yeah. Just to clarify. <laughs> but like it just it just made it like so much more fun to watch, I think, like having him a part of it. And like he was good friends with Tobias and um, it just worked out. Totally. Yeah, and- it was cool. I think, uh, I mean, I just feel like I had to bust your balls about the name a little bit, but it's... It's ridiculous. I, I, it's, it's a ridiculous like, name, but shit, like, 4.9 million yeah. views. Yeah. It was like clickbait, though, before clickbait, right? Yeah. yeah. That's what I was wondering. Did it, like, we didn't, think it helped boost the views? We didn't plan on this, but it got name. to a point, like, when that name got tossed out, I was like, I was trying to come up with a serious name, and then that got tossed out. I was like, well, this is not, this is kind of a joke in the first place. This yeah. whole lifestyle, <laughs> this whole thing is not really that serious you know mm-hmm. and i learned a lot of that actually hanging with the helgesons too mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. like props for that because they that they, i was riding with them at a time where i was really serious and taking it maybe a little too serious because i was holding on to some i, w- I didn't want to lose anything yeah because i finally had something you know that filled that hole and i didn't want to let go like at all so i was like you know and i got at times i got I might have gotten irritated sometimes with other people that that weren't taking it as serious, you know. They were kind of playing the joker. Yeah. Cuz I was like the the opposite at at a certain time too where and and that name just helped out a lot and just like well, you, know, you I, lighten it up a little you know, bit. You know, it was the summertime too and it's like whatever. Well, the whole this thing matches sick. your personality too and and there's like so many different genres of videos. There's the core little niche that's filmed a certain way and there's there's a million, but I just think it's cool that you pick something that matches your personality and you, you're being yourself, which is actually kind of fucking rare in snowboarding, I feel like, where people are actually, you know what I mean? like being. Well, I didn't know who I was. You're still figuring I didn't, it out. I didn't know who, well, I didn't know who I was supposed to be. Yeah. yeah. I never figured that out. Yeah. And when it came to, like, filming something, I had nothing to lose, you know? I was like, this is ridiculous. Let's, Let's just run with it. So all the personality that came out, everything was on the fly. Everything was just coming out. Every time I had Toby stick a camera in my face, and he started learning pretty quickly too that if we were shredding and there was time for like to get a comment or a reaction or something, he would just turn it on because I didn't know what I was going to say. And it just came out like that. So, And I didn't care to like put it out. And I, it was most of the shit was probably corny as hell, you know, but I didn't care. It was just like, I just wanted to put it out. I yeah. wanted to show people, you know, I, mean, I people wanted to love this shit. I mean, your following just was bigger, larger than life too. And it was cool. Cause I, that I was like a little bit of self is a great way to go. You know I mean? What are you going to do? What can you do, but be yourself, you know? Yeah. And it works shit. And at the time, I was like, "That's okay. This this is who I am now." Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, this is the hat I'm wearing, so I'm just gonna play this part. I'm gonna play this role. Not that I had that mindset at the time. I was just in it, you yeah. know. And it was just going. I think this is where we're. I don't know this, this if this is, is where? where you're going, but this is a guest question from Scott Stevens. Here we go. Hey guys. Oh, you gotta uh, put your Stevens here, on. and uh, just uh, have a question for Torstein. Um, that being, just really want to know more about Shredbots. I, I see him out there filming and making beats and doing various things aside from um, filming snowboard parts. And um, I was just wondering on his involvement and the behind the scenes. Thanks, guys. Scotty Stevens. Yeah. He is such an inspiration. Like, 
It's far. Yeah, that's insane. Like, I love that dude. The orgasm thing and, and putting videos out on the, my website at the time was torstein.net. You know, like I wanted my name and everything. And then I kind of hit a crossroads after those years cause, with Toby because I was like, okay, I did this. It worked. You know, I feel like I can do more with this. And uh, like, I know how it works. I know how to start it up and get a new thing going. But I didn't want it to be so much about me. Uh, so I wanted to start something like newer and I, I brought this idea to at the time Mark McMorris and yes, Ero Etala. Um, they both get some air horns. Big time. And um, I was like, I know like at the time Mark had started to bring his own film or two around um, and uh, I knew Arrow had his video series going. He had done a few projects at the time like fought, tracking Arrow, cooking with gas and I was like, hey, you guys want to start something like a chant more of like a channel, like a platform here, like where we, we like, because I was like, I'm going to drop my Vimeo channel uh, and and just put all, everything that I'm making onto this Shredbots thing. And that was the name I, I came up with um, that made sense at the time. And uh, and uh, they both they were both down, you know, like to like, because I, I just, the way I explained it to them, I obviously wanted them to be a part of it too. I was like, hey, like I'm going to drop this thing that's at the time was getting more traffic than any snowboard w- website in the industry. Not that it mattered, but yeah. I heard I, somebody told me like, Hey, you know, your website is like on fire. Like the, the host uh, company is pretty pissed off right now. Cause they got to start keep increasing their bandwidth. Oh, wow. I was like, how bad is it? You know, it's like, <laughs> and it was like millions of clicks a week. Wow. I, we can do it again, you know, like, and we can include more people. That was like the, the thing, like, we, let's put it, like make a platform where we can put out videos and then la- down the line, I thought like we could bring in other crews and we could just, you know, keep spreading it, putting it out. I mean, Arrow, obviously like no, no hard feelings or, or disrespect or anything, but he had his own thing kind of already established and he had some contracts going with his series and he, he couldn't really step away from that, which is, you know, yeah. obviously all good. Um, and so it was like, me and Mark and at the time, and then it kind of just snowballed from there and started making more videos where now where it's like we have other crews that are just standalone making their edits and they just, they want to put it out on Shredbots because we have a, a big following and, a, and like a really, like, I'm really thankful for that because our, like all of our followers are like super, like they're, they're down, you know, and they, we never, the biggest channel in snowboarding, I think from what I looked at, right. You're bigger than trans world or the other ones, snowboarder. Yeah, I think so. Is it a if website you, or is it on a platform? On a YouTube channel. Like a YouTube mm-hmm. channel. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. Yeah. Just like views per video and like subscribers and th- things like that. So I think it just worked cause we never really did it for like, we d- did never get any partnerships or put out ads. It was all just like, let's try to make the videos as dope and cool as we can to get as many people watching them and be stoked on snowboarding so that all of our personal sponsors are happy because they're getting, you know, they're getting eyeballs on their product. So it's always been kind of, I guess they call it organic now, organic yeah. product placement, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, but we're just out there doing our thing and just trying to make cool shit. And then that's just a happy byproduct of it because like GoPro, for example, everybody uses a GoPro when they're snowboarding or like I'm outfitted in DC and I, I love them. So like, I can't, I'm not going to ride naked. Yeah. I'm going to wear my shit. Yeah. You know, and the same with Oakley, Rockstar, like all my sponsors. But then when other crews put out their stuff too on our channel, then it's the same for them. So, so it just, it works good. And then it just brings more flavor to it. 
I thought it's cool how you look out for those younger crews. I feel like you've seen videos of like some younger Rado crews or all like the younger generation, the next wave, like giving them a, a channel, I think is fucking super cool. Well, it's, it's easy for me. Yeah. Because I've, I just built it because I wanted to keep doing it myself. Uh, and then that, that byproduct is awesome. Like having that opportunity now to like when, uh, when Mons Roisland and, uh, and, and his old crew and, and the Norwegian squad make an edit in, in Norway during quarantine because they're like they're oh, on they training, the only crew, right? training camp or something. Yeah. And they have an edit ready to go. And it's like, they just text me, you know, like, Hey, we got this edit. You want to put it, can we put it out? It's like, hell yeah. You know, like people want to see people have fun right now too. Like, and they, much needed. I mean, obviously these are strange times, but I look at it more like a positive thing in, a, in art, you know, it's like not, they're not just they They edit a lot of their, their, their stuff themselves too. And it's like, when it reaches that point, I feel like it's more art than just self-promotion because you put more, you like, you, you choose a song that fits it, you edit it, and you snowboard with that editing in mind, and it becomes like this piece instead of instead of just like, hey, look at me and what I can do, and this is like, our, my friends are awesome, mm-hmm. you know? And Marcus Olimstad, too, huge fan of that kid. It's got some steelo. Were they in uh, Sauce <laughs> Faye? Is that where that edit was from earlier this No, year? they had some private uh, team okay. training camp shoots in, in Norway, you know, because they're all still riding a lot of contests and stuff. And then we have, like, uh, Matty Cox from, from Australia, and he's, like, nobody obviously can get into Australia right now from the outside, but, but Perisher's open, and he's cooking up edits with Marcus Skin. Uh, it's another filmer I've had the pleasure to work with, and, and they're just, like... Uh, you know, they want to create stuff, you know, they I didn't know Perisher stop. was open. It's open, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's only certain parts that closed down recently on Perisher opened up. Yeah. I mean, New Zealand's open too, but it's, a, they're just locked off. Yeah. You, know? you can't, no one can go there. Well, while, while we're on the subject of filming, I, all my, uh, fact checked, um, Intel research, everybody brings up a little guy named drone racer, Gabe. And uh, <laughs> drone drone racer Gabe is a guy that you found and put on in first drone footage using a snowboard video, correct? Yeah. Um, is it Gab or Gabe? Well, at least in the backcountry. Uh, his uh, drone name is Gab Seven Hundred Seven. Oh, Gab! Oh, my bad. Yeah, because okay. when you're a drone racer, you got to have a sick drone racing name. Okay, okay. <laughs> that's what's up. Drone That's racer seven. What is it? Yeah, Seven Hundred Seven. Homie's on ESPN two, winning the league. Is yeah, he winning Cheddar Biscuits? Oh, that? he's getting Bisque. Can we talk about the Bisque in the drone in world? The drone I am unfamiliar. He I, I don't know if drones? I can touch on that subject uh, just because I don't know that much about it, but I know they have like a there, – there's an official – it's called the Drone Racing League. That's like the main one. There's I a didn't few know ones. there was a league. Oh, yeah. It's on TV and everything. Wow. And uh, they travel around at stadiums, and, and you get – you can – I think you sign a contract. You get paid to stay on that tour. Yeah. And then these guys can have personal sponsors too, like the for the parts and everything. You know, they get exposure, so it makes sense. But I found him. I was looking one year for uh, drone racing footage in the snow, just online, like on YouTube. And I only found one guy that had drone racing footage in the, in the mountains. And it was Gabe. And I hit him up on Instagram and, and just like, hey, you want down to chat? And it happened to be this super awesome dude born in Switzerland who lives, uh, lived in Montreal at the time. Uh, who used to be a snowboarder, 
uh, and he's he's got a PhD in physics, um, and he's working on expanding that. He's super smart. He's a hell of a guitar player, and and he's he's just like a one of a kind dude. And he's like the best in the drone racing league. You know, Sounds stats like the perfect wise. guy to call up. Huh? And he was down, so I flew him out to Whistler the for the first day. Like there was a lot of like logistics. We were going pretty far out in the Whistler backcountry. Uh, to this place called Callahan. Uh, it takes, used to take a lot shorter, but they blocked some roads, and now it takes like close to two hours to, to just r- roop out there. You got to bring some extra gas when you go there. I've I seen you out there. You yeah. need a jerry can out there. Yeah, huh? you, I'm the one violently tomahawking. It's a later. far <laughs> it's a far ride. So we had yeah, gone. That's a big day, two hours. Yeah, so we had gone out the day before and built a bunch of jumps in the zone. Mm-hmm. The forecast was looking good. And I called him on the forecast too because the forecast was looking good. I was like, hey, can you fly out? Uh, tomorrow, uh, and then we're gonna go shoot. And then he's like, and it just worked out. And I was with Vernie Stock at the time, Craig McMorris, and uh, Anto Chamberlain, like filming for a Shredbots movie uh, called Reboot. And because uh, he had zero snowmobiling and powder experience, um, so I booked uh, it's called a heli drop for Gabe, jeez, and Vernie, because uh, we didn't have a sled for him either, um, which is not that expensive if you were considering what we're doing i think it was like it's not that bad it was like a thousand bucks or something total uh, or a total head. total total for for the drop and the pickup and geez a couple sleds canadian expensive so it's basically anyways. nothing yeah basically almost, pesos almost free. essentially pesos <laughs> totally worth <laughs> it <laughs> so we had like booked like a a drop for like that's I probably the same eight, price as renting two snowmobiles eight in the morning yeah it's yeah. actually that plus that just wouldn't go well. You yeah. Know? yeah, that's what I think. Not to Callahan. All day, yeah. It wouldn't work. So we so had a bunch great. of jumps built. We're going to have them drop off at 8 a.m. We're going to meet them out there, me, Craig, and Anto, because we had sleds. And uh, and then we boosted out 6 in the morning, and we got stuck on the glacier. We didn't want to enter the glacier because it was foggy. Oh, no. Um, it just opened up, and the whole glacier was, like, blue. And oh, it was wow. like, oh, let's go. Because it was, I knew it was a huge day. Come over the last hump and drop into Callahan, and the helis coming in, and they drop off, and we, we just time it perfectly. Wow! And then Gabe comes out of the heli, and Vernie, and those guys uh, must just and be Skinny hyped. too. Marcus Skin was there too, and uh, and we just went in, and we got like some FTS. Uh, we got everybody got shots. You know, what kind like, of Chuck Rose are we talking on this thing? Uh, I think I got a. I got a back 10 first try on the jump we had built and then realized this landing was kind of not as soft as we had expected. So kind of played it a little safe after that. And we actually just had that one day and he flew home and we got to watch the footage and it was like, this is insane. Was it this the first n- time a drone was out? It, yeah. And it was just so cool to watch a drone that could keep up with you. Yeah. This, he has descending. those fast ones. I've seen his videos there and, nuts. and whip around you and, and do all these moves like mid air, like orbiting. And, and like, it was like a whole new perspective. Well, of you're jumping, yeah. He's like orbiting you. Well, he's actually the best. Yeah. The best. So drone racer. <laughs> <laughs> the best of the best, which he's like super humble, but like he was just, he and he's the got the VR. If you look at the stats, like he's like the, the most consistent in the final and the most consistent in a top three, uh, top three or something. But that's crazy. This dude wearing the fucking virtual mm. reality headset. Oh, he's got the stance too. He got all the wide stance. And <laughs> really? Just, oh, he's got. Yeah, I think he's bring. He brings some uh, 
brings the terror. Really? I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. I, my personal opinion on the early drone shit, though, was fucking moving around, and it was just wild, and I was like... I, Fucking not down, dude. Oh, like, we did that on much. purpose. I was like, it's too much, man. I can't do it. I'm not. I'm gonna not lie to you here, man. I fucking was player hating. But you were out there that's, playing. That's all good, bro. That's all I, good. I bet now I'm like fucking drone. Let's go get the get the bird in the air. Bird yeah. In the air. You know when first, shit first comes out, you just like yeah. it's like a new car style. You're like that thing's whack. Then you see it like a bunch, like a Tesla, you're, yeah. or something, and now you're like, oh yeah, that thing's cool. That thing's great. Like. But you first see it, you're, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck is this? You're like, what's going on here? But uh, I had to confess a yeah, little bit. No, I was we, not down we did drugs. that on purpose because um, we were so excited about it. Yeah, so we dedicated the whole Ender segment to that session. Yeah. Uh, ended up flying him back for a second trip to yep. where we got two days um, with more like lines and stuff like that, yep. which is kind of what really opened it up because like that's where I really saw the potential. Yeah, in lines, it looks crazy from that. Because he can keep up with you, yeah. and it gives a whole different sense of speed. But it was obviously super whippy in the beginning, and he wanted to just he just wanted to kick flip the thing all the time, mm-hmm. and he wanted to shred too. But he's like flipping it around, and because he doesn't see and... us ride with his own eyes, he's seeing through uh, the yeah. matrix. So the matrix. I was. We were just so hyped about the segment, and we yeah, just so wanted exciting. to show the whole like the potential of it, you know, and get people hyped. And some people obviously weren't down because it's it, I. I would agree too. Like it was a lot of people we showed was like, like it's too much. Yeah, so much it was movement. too much. It yeah. was, but then, you know, we, we got better. You learned how to you dial the drone down. We dial bit. it in. And then we like, going back to the art thing, like keeping that in mind and then directing a shot with Gabe now yeah, where it's like, let's him. create, you know, especially with the slow-mo we can make it really smooth and like let's come you have you come enter from here and then when i'm in the air you're there and like or whoever's riding you kind of choreograph it yeah you kind of direct it more as a as a piece so like one shot becomes more of like a yeah each shot's a piece of art so if you if you watch reboot it's hectic as fuck but if you now like if you the latest movie we put out is called light uh that we put it out march 1st this year and uh, it's a whole different thing. Like it's way more mellow and and just like, uh, I guess more satisfying to watch. Yeah. He's more pleasant for the eyes. More you know? more easy I've on the a, eyes. There's a new like Moto commercial with Tyler Beerman, and then there's like a Nija commercial that's filmed with a drone. Mm-hmm. You seen it? There's like the new drone shit, like you're saying, like mm-hmm. totally smooth and perfectly framed, and mm-hmm. yeah. And that's so sick for him because he started getting hit up like crazy, and he's filming for National Geographic. And yeah, he's uh, he just got hired uh, by Travis uh, Travis Rice and his crew last season for so he's crushing uh, the natural selection test event, and and he, yeah, he's he's, uh, he's I saw he's some doing footage it, from you know? that too, and it looked really sick. Yeah, and that's like his main thing now, and he wants to like continue with and dude's got a doctorate degree in physics that's crazy you know he, smart he guy can, he build his own drone <laughs> oh yeah 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 and it's it's just evolving you know and i'm just so like thankful to be a part of that progression because like it's something that's like really i'm just excited about it not just the snowboarding part but the music and the the directing and the the, the editing and the whole thing becomes like way more like involved with it you know and it's it's really cool to be a part of it i think 
That's cool. Use that creative outlet. It's like your brain seems like it's always it's always spinning. It's always working. Yeah, having that creative outlook out outlet, I should say. I think that just comes with being like a sensitive dude that spent a lot of time on his own. You know, like as as a kid, and like I'm comfortable by myself too. Like now, like, uh, but but it's it's a blessing and a curse. You know, like it's uh, you gotta. There's always ideas. There's all it's nonstop. You know, and it's like you, you learn slowly, like which ones to run with and which ones to. So you can't run with them all, huh? No, you know, and um, but but it's I look at it more now as like when the thoughts come that are like insane and, and sometimes negative and really dark. It's like I can get it from a different angle and uh, and transfer into something good. Well, I want to transition or pivot, as me and Buds like to a say, pivot. Do a little pivot. A little shove um, it. A little shove it. I uh, talking to. Ika, a.k.a. the I-Man. Get the air horn. Um, I love that, he dude. said, I, wh- I was kind of asking what you've been up to lately, and he goes, oh, in Ika's accent, he said, oh, man, he's been meditating all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> and then he also goes, he's been doing all kinds of stuff, like uh, intermediate or intermediate fasting. <laughs> Saying it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so the term is actually intermittent fasting, but uh, let's, let's talk about this fucking meditation situation. Uh, yeah, well, I've been, um, I've been practicing yoga for a long time. Just, uh, I don't know, 10, 10 years or something like that. Maybe more. I don't really know. Like when, when I started with that, it was more like I was still looking for all the different kinds of ways I could, you know, it was all with snowboarding in mind. It's like, I'm going to try yoga. I heard it's good. You know, I'm going to try that. And then, um, that slowly kind of, when you start with yoga, most people have that thing in mind where it's like, oh, it's just another way to work out. But they get you with the breath because it's always the focus when you go to classes, you know, and then things kind of, you start to feel different a little bit after a class. You're like, oh, I feel really calm right now. And it's like, after a while you realize, oh, it's the, it's the breathing. It's the focus on the breath, you know, and then that kind of starts to become more of a focus than the exercise. And the exercise and the flexibility becomes um, just a, bi- a really nice bonus. But like going in with the breath in mind um, has, has been the, the, the main focus. And then that kind of slowly led me on to just, just breathing and just sitting down, which is actually a huge part of yoga as well. And for the last couple of years, uh, I just started just deciding like, okay, I'm going to just dedicate some time to this in the morning. And that's like when... My mind is probably before it fires up, you know, before you look at the phone and check your email and whatever, like the day gets going. So before you're even looking at your phone, you're, yeah, just you start meditating. I started taking 10 minutes, just sitting down and just staying with the breath, you know, and just, um, it was, it was a lot of things going down at the time where I was like three years ago or something. And when I was, I hit a point in contest where it wasn't like the Aaron style when you have your heroes with you and, and you're riding alongside them and it's like a jam and, and it's like, the contrast from that to slowly getting to the point where like there's way more contests now and the way more traveling and the, and my body's starting to like not be so stoked on chucking on ice and low light anymore. And like the injuries that followed with that. And yeah, it got to the point where it was like, you got all these coaches and teams now, you know, we were just used to doing this all on our own. And you realize there's like coaches at the start taking notes of what other riders are doing so they can have their riders do the same or better you know because they were looking at me at the time because i didn't even know that was going on it it, it is it is full on fully yeah. yeah um but it wasn't 
and that's what I was used to, you know. And then that leading up to the Olympics and uh, making the – because I just wanted to see if I could do it. I had the opportunity. I was kind of at the top of my game competitively at the time, and um, I was winning a lot, you know. Um, Which Olympics was, like, was this? Back to, like, being, like, Sochi. stuck Sochi. riding contests. Like, that was, like, the peak of that, you know. Yeah, Sochi. So I made it there, and I was not comfortable. I was not comfortable at all. Just out of your element? It was just all of these rules, you know, and I hadn't really been to a real fist event yet. Mm-hmm. And it was insane. Like, the, you had to double-check your – triple-check your credentials between getting on the chairlift and getting back to the start. They would only allow a certain amount of people at the start gate. And, and it was all these rules. And I was just like this – my whole being was like, this is wrong. Really? But I still didn't pick up on it. And I was like, let's try to send it. And I just chucked like – I was trying like a switch – like a fakey hard way back to like over to. And I just remember like on his gap, this huge gap in the first feature, I just wanted to just blow it out. And, um, I just remember like clipping and getting knocked out Wow! and, uh, woke up with a broken collarbone and I was stoked. Really? Just so you were done with it. <laughs> I was, I had this, it was like exactly what I needed. Yeah. Cause I couldn't stop. My brain wasn't stopping this. You know, my, my ego was just, you were going to angry no and just, what. yeah, I was hurt too. My ankle was so pissed off and, um, I was going to just, you know, that's what happened. Yeah. Thankfully it was just a broken collarbone. Yeah, it I actually didn't knock myself out. I, you know, when you get so winded, you knock the wind out of yourself so mm-hmm. hard that you're, you just shut down. And I woke up and I was stoked. I was like, it's over. I don't have to be here. <laughs> and I was like, that started that thing where I was like, I don't want to compete anymore. Like this is not, what I signed up for in the first place is not making me happy. And that sent me deeper into yoga. And you got to follow what makes you happy, right? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, or at least like build up like your level of joy inside, Mm -hmm. you know, there was no joy there anymore with that. And it was all this frustration. And then that went into more yoga and then, and then slowly. And then, um, I was in a relationship at the time and then, it wasn't that that good, and and I ended up with a breakup, and I had all these crossroads kind of show up, and then just this path led me to um, to going down to Costa Rica and drinking some medicine. And, uh, <laughs> the kind of medicine that gets your mind to put it on a different. Yeah, it's. I, I know you guys have talked about it on the show uh, before. It's called ayahuasca, and uh, it's like the a very like ceremonial uh, thing that's um, they use this. Um, they've been using this plant medicine down there for thousands of years and it's, it's part of their culture and it's not like, uh, over here where there's like a huge war on vegetables. Mm. Uh, <laughs> that's insane. You so know, what kind of effects we talk in here? What and was you the, flew down there specifically for this? It's a visionary. It's like a visionary, like a, you, you meet yourself and you get, it's like self. Some people call it like 15 years of psychotherapy in, in five hours mm-hmm. or whatever it's um it must have been intense with it's your a youth and it's everything. a journey yeah and then i started this everything started to make sense you know like this is why you're feeling this way this is where this came from this is there's a lot of things stuck in your body a lot of emotions and you know that doesn't talking about a release that's a fucking release bro that's a good release huh? holy shit <laughs> yeah and then so that first trip down there did four ceremonies in a week and I've gone back to and um, just getting 
it just kind of shows you as it gives you tools as well as we can do to, to keep up with this, you know, and you can, cause you can get there on your own. But if you don't know what the, the end goal can be like, then those types of medicines, I like treat it with respect, obviously it can, can help you a lot. Yeah. Cause it, if you don't even know that you're in prison, True. there's, you can't escape from that. Can't escape from a prison you don't even know you're in. Yeah, you know that what makes I mean? a lot of sense. Um, and that that stuck with me, and that, but I, it just opened me up to like, oh, this is why this is happening, and this is it's all connected, and like uh, you feel so connected. Just it's getting insane. in touch with yourself more, huh? Your uh, ego gets put on, on check or what? Just you beat the shit out of your ego. Yeah. It's yeah. insane. It's yeah. always wow. there to it's sabotage. Not oh yeah, the, the crazy rat trap between your ears to always fucking <laughs> I'm there to mess you, you up. Yeah, sabotage you, get in the way, you know, make the wrong decision and whatnot. But um, one thing I wanted to touch on is we, you know, when we were speaking on the phone last night, you talked about you know you had with your father, he had a stroke when you were eleven, correct? Uh, thirteen. Thirteen. Is yeah. That, okay, mm-hmm. and that. That what happened in that scenario, and did the ayahuasca tie into any of that stuff? All or? of it, yeah, okay. all all of it for sure. I was playing the blame game a lot, you know, and and um, not connecting a lot of dots just from my childhood and everything, and, and then later in life too, when I was getting frustrated, like it was easy for me to just play the blame game and, and put it out on the external, you know. But it all starts with you, and uh, it it all comes from you, and you created it, you know. And, and some of the situations when you're a kid, you're not. That, that might have transferred from your parents or their grandparents and it transfers over and it's this is confusion and, and uh, there's a lot of karma there uh, or just old energy that hasn't been released and that can go through generations, you know? True. Like if, if your grandfather or his grandfather was a piece of shit, you know, his grandfather was probably a piece of shit and that yeah, transferred over him and that transferred into his son and that transferred into being like your dad or your mom, you know, and it's not their fault. It's not theirs. You know, and, and for me, having that realization that this is not mine, I can let go of this. And, and having that, that, for me, it took the, the medicine and, and going down that path to, to realize that because I wasn't going to figure that out on my own. It was pretty clear for me. Meditating now and, and going deeper with that comes from a different perspective, you know, where it's like, oh, you can, you can let go here, you know, and it's beautiful because um, when COVID happened and um this is the busiest time of the season i'm sure you felt it too where both of you guys like it was march right getting into march and april and may like that's the busiest time for us yeah go time that's like when you're warmed up you're ready you fired up you want to go you know and it's like our super bowl every year yeah and i like have all these things planned and like like let's let's do it Uh, and then it just immediately stops and i had this like quick thing where I was like just switch to like oh it's like this is a good opportunity to like go even deeper in myself and figure out what else is there that I can work on within me to make me a better person for myself and others the fasting actually like uh, was connected to that intermediate fasting well that's actually not completely wrong like that term could kind of be uh be useful for that because intermittent fasting is like you time restricted eating basically like mm-hmm. it's it's more for like nutritional health and like giving your digestive system a break you know you only eat within an 8 hour or whatever window you set for the day and then you you don't for the rest you don't take any calories and you give your body a rest for for um just not digesting shit all the time right and your body uses those stored fats too yeah. as part of the deal 
but what I was doing and I was reading up on was, was water fasting for meditation and going deeper. Um, so I ended up going for a 10 day water fast, which is just water. So not eating anything for 10 days. Wow. Uh, and that, that puts you in it. That's that. And then I realized like, um, cause when, when you're after three days or something, your body's completely done digesting carbohydrates and it's switching over into, um, burning, um, the stored fat you have in your body. And even for like really skinny people, they have enough fat to do that safely for like a week or something for 10 days. Um, I don't, I don't know. Like if you go and pass that, I think you got to seek. Uh, I would recommend seeking <laughs> medical help just, you know, just to be supervised or something. But, but for me, like I, I, I had a little, little bit of a muff, so it was, it was easy, but that's not the goal to lose weight. Like that's, um, I, I was doing it cause I, if you're doing it to lose weight, that means you don't like your body. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. like, but I, I love my, I love yeah. this, this thing, you know, like it's given me a lot. So, um, I was doing it to go deeper cause when you pass that threshold, um, the fat burning is not uh, completely enough for the bodies to sustain energy. It's really efficient, but what it does on top of that is starts to burn toxins and get rid of toxins in your body, which is insane. And you can start to feel old injuries flare up. Oh, wow. And I could start to feel my collarbone, my back. I've broken my back twice. My back is flaring up, which means it's not completely done healing. It says you're doing it for healing. And it's it's pretty crazy. And then when you meditate doing that, you go a lot deeper and it's kind of a trip. Again, like ayahuasca being a psychedelic, this is very psychedelic, but you can, you know, you can, it's all there, the whole thing, you know? Yeah. It's all, you can find it within you. You don't need the ayahuasca to get there is what you're saying. No, you don't. Um, but people like me that have had a lot of shit go down and uh, have maybe some confusion, it could be, could be beneficial uh like i said treat it with respect to to have a mystical experience just to open your eyes to what it could be and and then learning like oh i can do this on my own but if you don't know where you're going or what the end goal or like what what is possible then it's hard to start right what was that like on like the 10th day of fasting that must have been insane Dude, like water started to taste sweet. You get the sweetness back. Really? Like water starts to taste insanely good. Um, and then and it's all you got all day for 10 yeah. days. And I shit you not, I go into the grocery store on the 10th day because you, you start to get a boost of energy. Like you start to, because um, your body's basically like in sleep mode or like when you're sleeping, you're healing, right? Yeah. When you're resting, you're healing. But it starts to be in 100% sleep mode or healing mode all the time. Oh, wow. And you only you start to sleep a lot less. You, you don't need that much sleep. You only sleep when you need to dream. And then you start to remember your dreams Crazy. vividly. Like you can write them down that, that following night. You're yeah. like, oh, yeah, I was having visions in my dream. They become more like trip visions where it's like you get messages kind of, you know, like because it's all, it's all there. Like it's all... That's really cool. And here we are. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is this first. Of, what was your first meal you had after you got out? Yeah, of the that's tendon? a good that's, question. What, dude. what did you go eat? Well, I read this book on fasting. There's a bunch of them out there. A lot of them are very based in like religion, but I didn't come from that uh, side. So I wanted one that was like 
kind of like a little bit on the spiritual side and a little bit on the, the science side. You're just like, this is what happens. And this is, are the benefits physically. These are the benefits spiritually. And like, you know, on the third day, this is probably going to happen between five and nine days. This uh, stage happens. You have more to uh, expect because there's a lot of pain too. You start to feel a lot of pain, um, which means you're healing, which means you're actually dealing with it. And not just in your, your mind, but in your body and your physical body too. Um, the subtle body is a whole nother thing. But um, yeah, like I said, when, you, when water starts to taste amazing, I went to the grocery store on the 10th day and it felt like the, it was like the, the vegetable section was like, it was so easy to pick out what, what I needed, what I actually needed. And not pick out things that I don't need, you know. The book also, the book I read was also, um, I, I'm sorry, but I forget the name of it. Uh, it tells you that you have to ease into it. It takes about 10 days of recovering if you're fasting. However many days you're fasting yeah, you for, you need to take a, set aside the same amount of days for recovery. So you got to ease into it again with food. And I just I was went, wanted to make a soup. I don't really eat that much soup. Now I do. Because that soup was the best thing I've ever tasted in my whole life. Yeah, I bet. It was oh, insane. Make me want some soup. Right I was now. just like almost crying. I was sitting there with my girl, just like you don't understand. She didn't fast with you, I take it. She she tried a, a three day three night uh, with me uh, at the beginning of it because yeah. I'd previously done a three day three night uh, just to to see uh, like a if month before just what it was about. And I went really deep on those meditations. So I was like, okay, this is not just bullshit. You know, there's something yeah. there. You know, especially coming from like um, the DMT world. Yeah. Did she make it the three days, three nights? Oh, yeah, for sure. And she just did the first three days with me when I was going on my 10 day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And the, those days are the hardest. You get over the hunger by the, the, after like 48 hours, you're not hungry anymore. Really? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not that bad. Yeah. Huh? You can expect 48 hours of suffering just like because your body's like, fuck, just not give me food. Yeah. Just give me food. Just Feed put me. food in the face <laughs> hole. What do you do? Like just empty your house of food and. Uh, yeah. Just like no treats around. Yeah, like just, um, just try to prepare. Just like not just sour patch kids on the table. Just torture <laughs> yourself. Bad idea. Bad <laughs> yeah. Idea. Yeah. I'm a big chocolate guy too. So like no, none of that in the house for the, for the days, you know, dude, I couldn't even imagine going 10 days without anything. That's crazy. Yeah. But it's, it's, if you read up on it, it's um, there's so much material. Don't YouTube that because it'll just be a yeah, bunch of fitness some... models being like, I lost 100 yeah. pounds in whatever, you know, like that's not what it's for. That's a nice byproduct, but if that's the motivation, you're not going to go. Well, I imagine you can't exercise if you're not eating either. No, you're not supposed to. Yeah. No, it's like you got to you got to give your, you, yeah, all your energy goes into healing and, and resting. And uh, well, I remember Bodhi would fast a little bit when we're out shooting and he realized like, I can't go hiking when I'm, he would like, was on a liquid. He does like these fast. cleanses. Yeah. Like a cleanse. I guess not a fast, but he's but kind of, honestly, you're, it makes him like, you know, it's like hangry. Yeah. Mean, it's like when he, when he realized like, I can't go hiking, yeah. snowboard on, if I'm just doing this, he can't, yeah. it makes sense. No, yeah. Taking nothing. In. Well, it's like when you get excited about something, right? You're yeah. like, if you're trying intermittent fasting for the first time, you're like, this works. And then you realize pretty quickly, like, Works, but it doesn't work when you got to put out a lot. Yeah. Like if you're on, if you're shooting and you're trying to get shit done, not going to happen. You're going to be hiking. Yeah. You got to eat. 
you got to you're going to run your... a marathon like you talk to Sage before he goes on a big run he's like I'm eating a fuck ton of food right now so I can go like run like, yeah you need that shit hey, I got a Patreon question for you from Pat Moore awesome he's one of our Patreons which is pretty dope yes it is hey. he uh he wants to know about the time you were buried in a small landing slide and Andreas dug you out I was in uh filming for Black Winter uh, for standard films, I got to film with. Uh, shout out to Pat Moore, by the way, he's a G. Yes. Um, so we're filming for Black Winter standard films, and we're out in Tahoe, and it's kind of like a stormy day. We're just gonna shoot in the woods, and um, we went out. I forget the name of the zone. But there's there's so many zones around the lake. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just trying to film in the trees, like build a small pat down, like that. Landing went down and ended up on the snowmobile road we were on, sh- using for a shuttle as well. I just hit this weird pocket. Uh, I was eating shit on a front nine. I, I land and I tomahawk and I roll out, and then the whole thing gets released. Uh, and the whole landing goes, and it drags me down and stops with me on top of the snowmobile track, and uh, I'm completely buried because it just I just rolled and. I wasn't expecting it. Nobody's. Was you expecting. have transceiver on. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Um, You'd be surprised. Some people you never know on that if you think it's safe. You know. For sure. No, but if it's the, just mellow and you're right there in the cat track. No, the beacon's always on. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Mike Hatchett taught me that. Nice. You know, he he taught me basically everything I know about backcountry safety and. That's a good man. You're gonna learn from. from someone. Yeah. You know. Um, but luckily, it was like they were right there because they had their cameras set up like on the some angles were on the, the snowmobile track as well and Andreas was right there like he had just hit it too and he just ran over as soon as and I think a little tip of my snowboard was sticking out uh, um and he it was kind of it was just like really lucky situation because like it was pretty obvious I fell there I stopped there like they could kind of tell where I was so he went straight to me and got me out in like less than a minute pretty scary though huh when I was under I was like well, I know they're right there. I can't move. I, I was trying to move, and I was completely you stuck. Get cemented, huh? There's, yep. The snow turns to concrete right away, huh? Yeah, it doesn't matter how big the slide is. If you're under, you're not moving, you know? So, but thankfully, like, and I heard them after uh, a little while. A little bit of digging. Yeah, like, and, and they got to me, and but the panic kind of set in afterwards because they got me out. And I was out, and I could see them, but I still couldn't breathe because, like, I had s- so much snow down uh, my throat, throat, and like, it was like I probably had like a what's called like a snow plug. Um, if you're buried for a long time, um, that thing can harden and and set in, and, and if you dig out a person that's been under for a while, you gotta like that's your go-to, clear the airway, and then pull out the plug because it's most likely gonna be there. And it'll be hardened. It's it'll be like an ice tap. Like a, a popsicle. That's crazy. Um, and you had that? No, I didn't have starting. It was melt. It was already like yeah melting. I was getting air in and, and like it was, but I was like swallowing it and like because um, you breathe when you're panicking like that, you're breathing as hard as you can. You know, you're like not just air is important in here. That was that was it. It was just like a wake up call, and I'm, you know. Thankful that happened and carried yeah, I feel it with like me. It's always a wake up call for the whole crew too. Just everyone's like, "All right." It keeps you on your toes. Yeah. Like it's it's never like you're never completely safe. So things like can as long, quick. There's obviously things you can do. Yeah. To you know you can be there's a lot of precautions you can take, uh, and we always try to to do those and and make it as safe as we can. 
Yeah. And then even when you have, you've been there, Chris, where you have a landing, you're like, this thing's probably going to slide. And if you have that mindset, it's, it's almost like the trick becomes like, you're going to put it down. You obviously choose maybe a safer trick too. Maybe you're doing a a back seven instead of a back five. Um, So you you can can spot and and like, even if you hand drag or like butt check, you can still get out, out. you know, and you're not like in a landing that's like a thousand feet. It's a trip how quick it changes. Like you're having fun, you're on top of the jump, everybody's having a good time, and then boom, life or death situation. Like people, especially in riding the resort too, you know, there's shit's dangerous out there. It's good to take a class, get knowledge, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah. also, like fuck, being buried and thinking about that. Like you only have limited amount of airspace, and then you're, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> fucking scary i don't know yeah you don't want to quick you don't want to be there yeah (laughs) (laughs) and if you do you want some trained people around you that's for sure yeah so i mean we just try to like the more sincere you can take that part of it i feel like the more fun you can have when you're actually boarding Mm -hmm. like you kind of set the stage that's the truth and then it's when it's when it goes it's the best time of your life oh yeah the clip high too when you land good drugs it's it's so good good kind of drug truth Mm. I got another Patreon question for you. This one's from Shoot. Andy Gold. Um, he's curious how many laps it took to get the North Star line. Years on, it still looks like a video game. That was actually filming for that first year with Standard Films. I was just riding North Star because I was hanging out there because that's where they kind of had the base, um, Standard Films. And uh, that was just the flow of that mountain is insane. Just the way the terrain is laid out, you don't really have to speed check too much. You just kind of hit a feature and then cruise uh, like you're on a skateboard to the next feature and the next feature. There's like no harsh speed checks. You're just kind of flowing with it, and it's a long run, and it ends with a half pipe. That's it. Hitting the flow state on that one. For sure. So I was like, this would be sick to film. And then I convinced Mike to to get a filmer on me to just film a top to bottom run. And I was just like, this, this could be like, I, I got faith in this, you know, it's, I know they don't really film too much park to put in their movies. And that wasn't really the norm at the time, but true. Uh, but he was down, you yeah. know, like with props to Mike. Cause like he, he's been in the game. He got a 16 millimeter on me, actually. Tom day, legendary filmer used to film a lot for, um, Oh, there's like huge legendary ski films oh, company. Oh, um, Warren Miller. Warren Miller. Yeah, yes. Warren Thank Miller. you. Yep. Thank you. Legendary. The so, most legendary of ski. And I was like, you should probably bring the the Panasonic because, you <laughs> yeah, know. shooting film on <laughs> yeah. top to bottom. That's um, an expensive endeavor. But I, I, I went for, I'd been riding that mountain for like a month straight every day. So. You're feeling it. I was like just in it. And every time I went there, it was to just let loose, you know, and like just get in. I was just so addicted. That's one of the sick things about snowboarding is like, it's one of the better activities you can do to get in the flow state or get in the, you know, it's pretty quick. You land something, you get free, good, you get, hyped, you know, yeah. like, cause you stay in it, you know, it's like, um, you're just playing the game with uh, difficulty and like being scared and like somewhere in between and like hype, yeah. and, like being stoked. And then, you find that sweet spot and really no matter your skill level you can get there Mm -hmm. because it's just as exciting if you're just starting and what's good about that park it's a long run and there's no pauses you don't spend energy breaking 
So it was just perfect for that. And I just wanted to capture that. And he was down. He brought the 16 millimeter. He brought the, the pano as a as backup. a backup. But I was kind of putting him down. Like it was, uh, we did like three runs on the 16 mil, and we'd run out of film right before the half pipe every time. Oh wow! Uh, so I got it or something, right? Or three, two half, two and a half is a roll. Yeah, yeah. I think I put down. I, I definitely put down a whole run on the uh, on the 16. So that was like one out of three. And I was like, we should switch because, like, we can end case. it with, like, a little spray shot to the lens, and we don't want to do that to 16. Yeah. And that's after the half pipe. And, uh, and so, like, the next run, I put it down. I think I put down two more on the, on the panel. So it was like, it didn't take that many runs. It didn't, huh? Linked it all together. That's sick. No, like, you know, I was pretty, pretty, pretty awesome at the time. Uh, shout, shout out to my goddamn self. Let's throw, let's throw him an air horn. Let's give an air horn. No, you were fucking larger than life at that point, though. I kind of want to go Dr. Phil psychology dive deep right now. You're going to do a deep psychology? I kind of want to do a deep psychology. Deep go for it. So thinking about your career is like kind of like thinking about your life is crazy, all the shit you've done, right? But you, if you look, think about your upbringing, it seems like you were bullied growing up. You had a hard time. And, like, the first time you were kind of given acceptance and validation is when you started winning contests. And then your whole career, like, sometimes as snowboarders, you put your value, your self-love almost on your snowboarding, right? When, you're, when I do well, people love me. When I don't do well, people don't love me. And it's not really fucking healthy. Um, do you think that your like mental, you know, your whole drive for your career, like had anything to do with that? Like, and then you eventually it seems like you found a way to found a little bit more contentness lately in this, like, for lack of a better term, spiritual journey you've been on. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean the whole, like I, I, I gather a lot of energy from the anger and the, the frustration and the, the hole I was in as a kid and just the sadness There's a lot of. A lot of sadness just shoved away. And, uh, and that just, like, that was a blessing because it, like, put me in that tunnel vision when I finally found snowboarding, right? Yeah. And then that seemed like it started to fill a lot of holes. Like, at least, like, I wasn't thinking about it anymore. Like, I wasn't in my brain so much. I was just, like, in it and going for it. Being, like, successful in contests and, and blowing up with that and, and video parts and all that and kind of reached a point where I was like, this is not really making me happy anymore. You know, like what's, what's going on here? Like, this is what I set out to do making my own movies now. And like, it's, it's all good. And, but the sadness is still kind of coming back and resurfacing and taking the time to like focus inward and, and putting that time in now, uh, which is also a luxury. Like self-work is a luxury for sure. But I, w- I, was, I had the opportunity, you know, like, and, and there was more dirt in there that needed to, to get out because you can release it. Um, but reaching that point with contests where it just started to get frustrating again, and I was, like, the, put it, playing the blame game and, like, this is hurting and I'm hurting and, like, I was still getting podiums and not happy, though. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what's, what's wrong with this picture? I want to enjoy this, you know? But I let go of the contest thing. And I was like, you know, I've, I just want to film and, you know, keep doing this and, and uh, sp- spreading the love kind of, you know. And maybe not at the time I wasn't thinking like that, but I, I am now. And, like, seeing the, the position I'm in helps uh, other people too, I think. But the frustration and the things can still come. 
what the meditation and the journey has got me to is like, I don't need to identify with that. I don't need to be like the triple cord guy or the, the ender film part guy. That was all, do this. that was all good. And like, I love what contest did for me and, uh, and enabled me to do and put me in the position I'm in, but it doesn't define me. You know, I'm realizing that, uh, more and more where like when, when I'm angry or when I'm sad or even when I'm happy, like like happiness too can can come and go like that. You know, somebody can put you in the dirt, but like what you can bring up, what you can level up. For me, I realized it's the level of joy inside. Like you're just all all over like general joy level. Um, that's something you can work on, and that takes just like a releasing a lot. And when a bad thought comes in, I know how to handle it now. I can just observe it more and be like, oh, it's just a thought, you know. I don't and know, you choose your chew on that one like you would. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you choose yourself which ones you give attention. Mm-hmm. So that that's helped a lot, and uh, and that comes a lot on like I'll even have days where like I'm watching old videos and reflect like uh, oh that was so cool or like I wish it was like that but it's like nah, we're here now, you know. This True. is where like what can be better than now because now is all you got, you know. The present, the present is all we got. That's actually, I always hear, like, if you can put yourself in the present, like you're always yeah. talking about well, that, yeah, too. It's yeah, like anxiety the, stems from thinking about something in the past or something in the future, right? Stressing a lot. of, And then, what is that? Uh, yesterday's history, tomorrow's a mystery, today is a gift. That's why they call it a present. The present. It's a good I've quote. I've never heard that. <laughs> yeah, so it's like kind of a good, yeah. Staying when you're present, present like you're, when healthy. you're snowboarding, you're not thinking about your things that ensue anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. But and but it's bigger than that too. Like you can, you can get present any moment. Yeah. And, um, and if you're longing for snowboarding or something like a trip that's coming in the future, like you're not present, right. Or like your relationship seems like it's going downhill and like it's, it's, you're playing the playing game on your partner. It's like, just bring it to now and like and focus on what's really, really kind of see the bigger picture. And then you realize, you start to realize, like, you don't, that feeling that snowboarding gives you, or the feeling that surfing gives you, or skateboarding gives you, or the feeling that your uh, your girlfriend, your wife gives you, your parents, like, it's it's always there. And it's, and it can be right there right now. And it's, it's, it's right in here. It's never up there. You know, when that thing's going, you're not really present. True. But you can always bring it to the now, you know, or bring it to flow. Or, like, make yourself in love, um, whatever you want to call it, the energy. And if you need to, like there's certain tools you can use for it that you can put in your toolbox. Snowboarding is one of those tools. Surfing or skateboarding, same thing. Or you, or you can sit down and do like a formal meditation where you sit all nice cross-legged and you're just you like, do that you, too? <laughs> well, I just, that's how I could do it in the morning. Cause yeah. like I have a space for it in my house and it's like, just, you I actually like to have go like there. a meditation room. Yeah, but you can you can do it at any moment. Yeah, you can do it in your car before you go into the grocery store. All you are doing then is like just kind of center yourself. Yeah, I think this is really freaking cool because I think that a lot of people, maybe myself included, I look at people that are doing really well. Like I would take somebody like yourself. You know, you, you think that these people that are that are doing well that you look up to have it all figured out, right? They're like, oh, that person doesn't have the same set of problems I do. Like, they don't have, their 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 brain doesn't sabotage their fucking opportunities like mine does. Or like, you know, because at the end of the day, I think a lot of people 
are going through hard times or struggling, especially with COVID and all the, you know, civil rights stuff happening. It's just everything that's charged right now, like left versus right. And the, the whole, every, every, I think there's people struggling out there, you know, and they always will be. It doesn't matter your, your fucking rate. Like everybody struggles. It's, and so it's really cool to, you know, hear somebody having the same set of problems as, as maybe a listener right now. You know, I think it's cool for you to talk about that too and how you, there's solutions, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're in it, it's hard to see it, you know, and I've been really lucky to be able to reach a point where I can reflect and see, and see it, you know, and, uh, and that's, and now like I, 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 all I'm doing is like putting more tools in the toolbox to like, I can bring out, I, okay, I'm in my head too much right now, you know, yeah, and that can go head. far. That can go far. Fear is a huge one. Fear is a huge one. And a lot of people are, are in, are really afraid right now. Yeah. You know, and a lot, of, I'm sure, I, I don't know how it is like in the, in the schools right now, but I know there's a lot of social media bullying going on and there's a lot of uncertainty and, and, uh, and just fear mongering and fear spreading. And like, people like to talk about shit they're f- scared of, like just to get a, an affirmation from something external, like, Oh, you're scared about this too. Like, I'm so scared about this. And like, let's talk about that some more, but then you're just in it, you know, or if you got the TV running 24 seven. It's all fear right now. Yeah, that gets the ratings. Sells. That gets the ratings. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, but there's, you don't have to stay there. There's, you can, you can get out of it. It's, it's good. You know, the and one of the things is crazy right now. Huh? Yeah, and one of the things you can like if you're if you're scared, right? Like, are you really afraid? Like, if you if you look at it from something like that might happen in the future, because you're not dying. You know, you're not falling off a cliff like that's or you're driving a car. All of a sudden, the car in front of you moves over in the lane or you jump off a snowboard jump and you spot the landing and there's a child sitting there with his parent having a sandwich or something. And yeah. you're about to land on him like that is like Life you get scared. Yeah. Right. But if you're just thinking about being afraid all the time. That's just anxiety, you know, like that's that that can and then that's endless. You can build that. You can dig yourself down in the dirt from that. But if you're practicing sometimes staying present a little bit mm-hmm. and then maybe like to maybe some gratitude in there too, and focus on those things, in the present moment, those things can start to go away, you know, and then you see the bigger picture and like, oh, I'm actually not in a life or death, death situation right now. It's just that the fucking TV is on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm thinking about all the things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're worried about the cops following you or, you know, shooting you down right now, I don't, I can't, obviously I can't relate to that. It's kind of every day in the news, but, but right now, like, is it happening right now? Yeah. And there's, there's things you can do there. Like even micro things, you know, you can just move the attention from up here and into your body. Because if you calm down your body, your mind will follow. It doesn't work the other way around. And you can you can scan your body for tension too, like right now. You can yeah. find it, huh? Yeah. And and you, if you're, you're you just attention. you start with just scanning your body. Like, where's the tension? Where can I relate? Like, do I need to be flexing my left leg right now? Like, no, I'll just relax that thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. That you, you can know, kind of sense you, it around your body. Can you feel like? Relax your hands. Can you feel the inside of your hands? So I know you can. I know what, you can. What meditating is is doing. It's this? just a tool Internally. that brings you to the present moment. Yeah, 
Like you can try it right now. Like if you if you don't try to feel like physically touch your hand, yeah, but like feel feel if, that if you take a, if, side of yeah your yeah hand. if you take yeah. a deep breath and re, and let your shoulders drop like relax your shoulders. <laughs> Is there any tension there? My whole body's filled with tension. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's the mass hole. In I you. just got so much coffee <laughs> running through my. This veins, coffee actually bro. is a tension <laughs> increaser right here. I've yeah. been sipping on this stuff and it's got me. But if you just right feel, now. yeah, but I feel you. Yeah, you feel that energy in, inside. You're bringing the attention from your brain that's just constantly on fire, all the time. Firing, yeah. You bring the attention from that into your body, and then you can focus on things like your breath. That's also like a sense, you know, like. You can find like an anchor with your breath too. If you're breathing through your nose, and you can even make your sound audible like they do in yoga. It's called ujjayi breath. That's another anchor you can focus on. It's not in your thoughts. But an audible, audible breath is called what? Ujjayi breath ujjayi. or like an ocean sounding breath. You yeah. like slightly restrict the, the opening in the back of your throat. Like that. We're sensing us a little ujjayi right now. Yeah, I never <laughs> knew that. I've never heard that. <laughs> but it's another anchor you can, like, another thing you can focus on that's not your thoughts, you know? How do we not self-sabotage ourselves with our thoughts? That's what we're trying to do all day. Because all day we have this primal brain that was created back in the day when we were supposed to save ourselves from getting attacked by fucking wolves and bears. But it's the landscape has changed and now we just sabotage ourselves all day just long. Sit and panic. I think. And then somebody cuts you off in traffic or like right before a jump and you're like, you know, or somebody sits in the landing. He's like, I could have killed you. Like, but you didn't like, you don't have to give that attention. Yeah. You know? Just don't even give the stuff yeah. attention, the negative stuff. And it's all connected too. Cause you look at the, the civil rights things that are happening and like left versus right. And all these things, it's all somehow a lot of it's like, mentally people that are not in a good place a lot of the bad things that happen and like even the you know going back to the fear you know and i think there's also a need to control right now right and there's uncertainty so you know what's going on with covid how long is it gonna last i don't know i my life's up in the air right now i can't control it i'm going to act like i need to control as a way to feel safe but you can actually be okay with the uncertainty. That's another side of things. Yeah, like but there, there's certain other things you can do as well. Like if you're a kid and you're getting a shit time from your friends or what you think are your friends right now, and 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 you think that that's just, this is life right now. We go we go to the mall or whatever, Starbucks or whatever it is, and, and like your friends are just like giving you shit all the time, always talking about negative shit, and you have something in you that's like, I just want to go do this, but like you have this, like these like obstacles, you know, you don't have to surround yourself with those people either. There's certain external things you can do to like, but if you don't know, like I said, bringing yourself to the present moment first and practicing that a little bit can help you to just see the bigger picture. Cause you're not cluttered so much with, with all these negative thoughts all the time that keep you in there, you know, cause that's like, you just identify, you start to identify with those thoughts and like, I am this or that but you don't have to stay in there. You don't have to stay surrounded with those bad people either. Like, is your family really supporting you? Like, yeah, that's a thing. People get, do you want to just skate? Do you want to just paint? Like, what is it that you do? Like, what is it that you love that your surrounding people are like limiting you from doing like, Oh, you're never going to make that, but you might. Yeah. Cause and that's exciting. That, right. You know? And that's, and that's cool. You know, like that's, you can, you can get your, there's little things you can do. 
Yeah, if you listened to everybody when you were a kid, you wouldn't have pursued snowboarding probably, huh? Well, I mean, that's just another, that's a kind of a sketchy tool in the toolbox is a hitting the rock bottom, yeah. you know? People sometimes have to hit rock bottom to be like, to realize what, fuck this. what's going on. You know, like, there's it, gotta be you some can't get worse way. than this. Yeah. You know, like, what if I just did what I wanted to do? You know, I'm not saying go rob yeah, a bank. What's, what's that look but, like? Like, maybe give it a shot. Just try it, you know, like, and then how does that make you feel? That was that good? Maybe there's something there, you know, and then yeah. that's, and then you're on your way, you know, like, I think also meditating or just taking, taking a little time to yourself and not just looking externally all the time for, for what it might be like pleasure or whatever can open you up to see the train when yeah, it goes by, jump on it, <laughs> you know? And then, cause you might, if you're too busy up here, you might not see that train go by. That's uh, got an open cart and it's going real slow, but it's moving. <laughs> um, we started the bomb hole to talk about life bomb holes. I swear truth. to God, That's that why was we why started we started. This podcast. And like, honestly, so I don't know, you know, some, some I love what you guys you, are doing. Thank this you. is insane. And you can't, thank you, you guys. You can't please Thanks everybody with that. You know, some people are going to like it. Some people aren't, but I'm taking one of these mugs by the way. Yeah, you are. <laughs> oh, you know what? You didn't get it right. But we got to, we still like to send you off with a prize. We pack. are still going to oh. send you off with a bomb hole prize pack. You got yourself a Stony Buds air freshener in there, which I need to put for sale on the site. Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, you got a igloo cooler and some shirt, a shirt and some stickers. And uh, yeah. Put put some kombucha in there or something, you know? What are you gonna put in there? Maybe some. Uh... I just started drinking kombucha the other day. Oh yeah, yeah, I kind of like. Thank it. you guys. Yeah, <laughs> no this problem. Is sick. You started drinking some booch, huh, some buds? booch, yeah. All right, buds. Kind of backing it. Maybe we get buds a pro model booch. Let's get some booch. What dude. if we started buds's booch? Buds is I'm backing it. Buds is I'm backing it. Let's yeah. do this, dude. You know, well, nobody calls it booch either. That should yeah. We could call it booch. You don't have to make it virgin either. Yeah, true. I heard there's some people started that uh, kombucha alcohol, huh? Seems like you couldn't shouldn't drink too much of that though, right? In one night. I don't know. Oh, they're just trying to compete with those hard seltzers, maybe? Yeah, maybe that's why they're I want to get fucked up. It has a good flavor, though. Yeah, I like the flavor. I like the... It's got to moderate. Yeah. I don't know. That's the new shit. The low-calorie beers and, like, the, like, I want to get fucked up, but I want to be super, like, crunchy and healthy. Then you drink the kombucha. You drink the booch, and you fucking... I got, actually, another Patreon question. Awesome. That's kind of on this, uh, this... It's kind of on what we're talking about. Somebody, uh, Brian Mills, wants to know if you fuck with the Norwegian drink Aquavit. Is that something you've Oh, heard yeah. Of? Yeah, I've never heard of it. Yeah, so thanks, Brian. Yeah, that's, right. um, I usually only do it for, like, the holidays, for Christmas and stuff. It's, like, tradition. What is it? It's, a, it's like, a hard liquor, uh, kind of, I would compare it to, like, a spiced rum, ah. but not as sugary. Um, and it's, like, a real traditional uh, Norwegian liquor. And it's, um, what they do, they... They they craft it, they distill it, and then they put it in these barrels on a boat. Still to this day, and for it to be called Akavit, it Akavit, it has to be on a boat from Norway and go down past the equator and come back up, um, and then it can be sold or really? consumed. Because the rocking motion of the boat in the keeps ocean, it fermenting or whatever. It just that's what makes it unique and that's what makes it special. What kind of biscuits are we talking for a bottle of this stuff? Oh, it's like. The same as like a nice bottle of vodka or oh, something. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. So the rocking of the ocean is what makes it the aquavit. 
I mean, they probably have like versions of it that. Well, remember we were in Kazakhstan. They had that weird milk. XO. That milk beverage. The way that made milk with an e or milk milk. Oh, okay. but it was fermented uh, camel's milk. Oh, I do remember that. What so was that? The restaurant. The way they ferment that is they put it on the back of a horse and it has to move just like this on the water. So it's kind of. I think that's just it's a, a cool tactic. process. Yeah, it's just part of the process. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I don't like. It's uh, made to be more of like a digestive, I think. Like yeah, after this is you a eat like a, as well. that's a huge Christmas meal, you know, yeah. you have that to like, like follow an it up. Tea for whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's nice though. I like the taste. I'll have to try that out yeah. next time I go uh, to that area. You don't. You never remember anything, but you remember the the Campbell milk <laughs> story. <laughs> what the fuck's going I on, dude? No idea, dude? They also would hang the bag of it outside the house, and every neighbor had to walk by and punch the bag. And I guess that keeps it moving too. Is that a thing? That's a real thing. Dude. Wait, when we With were this, there, yeah, I don't remember this for the life of me. I don't know, dude. I, I don't just, remember punching any bags. Well, we didn't. We were in a city. This is if, if you live in a town and oh, you're making okay. the camel's milk. The bag punch. If you want to okay. ferment the camel's milk, it has to keep moving. Okay. Like this stuff rocking in the boat. It's a similar, okay. similar idea, I guess. Right. Yeah. It's an aperitif. I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, Torstein, you got any, you got any other dockets of information you want to talk about? Dockets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going dockets on them. We're going dockets. This is another tool for the toolbox then, you know? Just get people in here to talk. and. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's, yeah, I got to say, I really like what you guys are doing. It's like you guys are spreading that. the good shit. Dude, you know, I never like thought we'd have you in this booth for a while too because i didn't i didn't one i didn't realize you were in colorado and yeah two it's just i don't know we have a lot of people hitting us up like you need to get some people from overseas so it's rad Not well that it's tough right anymore, now right yeah it's just uh yeah no i haven't been able to go back to norway for this whole time so you can't as well even, yeah it's probably well, if I, I think i'm there was a way you can get there now but i wouldn't i don't know if i'd be able to come back and yeah like, quarantine and- um it's just been you know you obviously it is what have it is. dual citizenship, huh? No, I'm on a visa. You are. I've, on, I've been on the visa the whole, my whole career. Um, Crazy. You why are you to... choosing Rado instead of Oslo? Uh, well, I was there for a while, and then I started just uh, spending more and more time here, and um, it just kind of reached that point where, like, this is where my life is right now, and like that's that's cool with me, and. Um, just uh, had a lot of friends in Colorado, and like it made it just easier for traveling and just shooting and, and all that. And yeah, it's then, a long trip. Okay. Yeah, I was going to get a place. I was trying to get a place in California for a while, but it just didn't work out. Um, and I, you know, you can buy a house on a visa. Yeah. Just coming over on a visa. Yeah. They'll take your money no matter what. Huh? They like money. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if you got the it money sounds like they need up. it right now, yeah. too. <laughs> right now, they're like, sweet. Yeah, we'll take you. Yeah, money. so you can't live here yet, but we'll uh, sell you a house. Yeah, and you have to pay taxes here. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, what, for did sure. You buy that house? No, or the whole time. Just because I'm my sponsors, like everyone that if you're making money from the U.S. Me, yeah, yeah, you got to pay U.S. taxes. Yeah, you got to pay it. Um, Jeez, but you can't be a citizen until they're ready for you. Uh, well, I could probably get a, a green yeah, card or something, but point. yeah, I don't know. Colorado just seemed to fit at the time. I had a lot of friends there. My girlfriend was there at the time, and. Uh, uh, I just like the mountains. What's your plan next then? What's the next move? Um, just keep going, keep filming, you know, keep staying in it. You know, yeah. like I think what we're doing right now with Shredbots and uh, my filmer and good friend Craig Gallows is actually a really good snowboarder as well. Uh, he lives in uh, Squamish, Canada, 
and uh what we have going on right now is pretty pretty sick we're just um light was the last project that we put out together and we're just gonna try to keep working together and it's gonna be interesting to see what happens this winter with uh with shred bots and stuff like that but just keeping that going too and whoever wants to put out dope edits and stuff like we'll just uh keep the channel going and um might keep trying to make some more videos on uh my personal youtube channel uh that's just my name but um that's just been fun. I've just been making a lot of music during the, the quarantine as, as well as everything else going making on. Beats. Yeah, making beats. If you haven't seen these videos, he takes like sounds of like hitting a water bottle and edit snowboarding to him. Definitely worth a watch. I got sucked in the wormhole and was just like <laughs> sat there for however long that. It's really easy to get, get sucked up. into the YouTube it hole. Good, oh, dude, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, a good hole though. One video to the next, right? <laughs> yeah. Great hole. But I, lo- I, I love, love a good you. Hole. Yeah. But, oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you seem to have like figured out the like figured out YouTube. Like yeah, I feel like with Shredbots, it's it's a hard space to navigate. I honestly was like, oh, I'm gonna do a YouTube channel and start some shit. It's hard, man. It's like content is a hard game. I mean, this is what we're doing is different, but what you're doing is like you have a crazy following. It's cool. I mean, no, I think you guys are doing it. There's no, there's no, there's no. I don't think there's a code to crack there. I think as long as like if you're putting out content and you're using the word content to put out more content <laughs> just to have more content out there that might not be you know the key but <laughs> but if you're using the word content <laughs> if you're using the word content you're on the wrong trajectory to put out content about <laughs> well, content if you're contenting all the time <laughs> yeah but if you're like you guys you just want to put out good stuff and be consistent with it cuz you enjoy putting out good shit and and talking to good people and, and like yourselves and and, uh, and and that's your focus is just so like you know put out good stuff and make stuff this is creative too you know even the way you set up the cameras the way you do the sound like the way you have this your garage set up you know i know this is like probably pretty close to what it would look like anyways yeah. but it's sick it's like you're you it's are like to evolve though there's a barrier there <laughs> we're like if you're just contenting there's no like that's not a lot of personality but if you're just you know you're opening up to show yourself and you're not scared of that like that helps people i think Mm -hmm. and it helps me you know like i listen to a lot of uh people like whether it be snowboarders like yourselves or like spiritual teachers or authors or other just interesting people and like what they have to say, the ones that open up and give a little of themselves where it's not like, you know, in, in a movie or, you know, a, like a pristine product end product. Yeah. It's just like kind of raw, you know, like mm-hmm. that's, that's sick too. And uh, that, that goes, that's, that's the code. I think. That's just, that, no, that's great. That's a great, in, very untangible, very un, statistical answer but it's like yeah I, I love what you said there too and going back to what you just said too is like a lot of people they're like oh do you want to come on the podcast sure yeah i'd love to come on and talk about my uh, accolades and essentially ego stroke to a degree right <laughs> and, and no but like but then oh. you see the ones that people latch on to and it's like when like somebody like yourself we really appreciate because you opened up you actually talked about some real shit you didn't project that your life is fucking perfect like some you know like this, some people like to do that. So it's I, I really appreciate you coming, letting these people know, like, hey, I, fuck, we all got some shit going on, and I'm working on figuring it out. Yeah, everyone's got a story. Yeah, you it's know? all the like journey. We, it's, there's all, 
It's all good though. Yeah. 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 Hundred percent. It's all good. Yeah. All good in the hood. <laughs> What's crazy to me is how much you almost kind of downplay the contest that you killed it so hard at. Not well, downplay, I just don't. But, I don't. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I don't identify with that anymore. Like I'm That's really cool. thankful for that time and what it gave me. Yeah. You know, and like there's just there's a lot of lessons there. You know, and it was a good time, but. But we're we're here now. Yeah, you're here now. You don't want to be yeah. the guy at the bar at like age fifty, being like, True. "I fucking won the X Games. You should have seen me." Because uh, I don't know. I kind of you know, we no. all need that guy sometimes. Well, that guy's always gonna be there, you know. But yeah, it's like guy it's that guy's be there. that guy's a good teacher too. Yeah. But he just doesn't know it. Yeah, he doesn't. You know, and you might be the guy who shows up to the bar like. I had a sick power run today. Yeah. And you're just basking in that moment still. You know, and, and you're just like, good you feel good. That's that's what's up. Let's bask <laughs> in this moment, dude. That's what, that is what it's all about, though, is staying present and staying hyped and moving with today. You know, I mean, geez. moment yeah. basking, you could say. What? Just basking in the current just moment. Just basking. A lot of basking. Like a lizard in the sun? Like Baskin Robbins. <laughs> like Baskin Robbins. That's not the same Baskin. All right. I feel like we fucking did it, man. We're starting to lose it a little bit. But, um, dude, this coffee, man, is. Yeah, we're a little spracked out. I went on strong setting on the coffee. Is it, do you always make it this strong? I can only make it halfway down. Yeah. And yours was I'm half. I'm still half full. full. Yeah. I just went straight black that last cup, and it's like. Just. Mud. mud. Yeah. Yeah. Straight mud. Okay, well, you know what, guys? Torstein, we appreciate yeah, having you on. Thanks for coming, Doug. Dude, thank you guys so much. Been I really appreciate this. Love uh, having yeah. you here. Love hearing your story. I'm I'm huge fans. I'm a huge fan of the show. I'm a huge fan of both we of you guys. We are also Long-time fans. listener, first-time guest over here. Yeah. Um, well, we appreciate you guys. Don't be afraid to subscribe. Like this guy, he's got a million of them. You hit the button. Apparently, you get to see what you, you want. got a million subscribers? No. No. <laughs> 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 it's like, damn, how many is it people that, that many people snowboard or what? Four point nine million on Horgasm though. That's a that's views. crazy view number. But some of those people might have viewed a couple times, but that's a crazy number. <laughs> All right, but, I'm gonna wrap it up. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you next week over peace. and out from the bomb hole. Thank you. Okay, we did it. Torstein Horgmo episode. Hope you guys enjoyed the listen. I just want to take this time to shed some light on the fact that it's Suicide Awareness Month. You know, in snowboarding, we lost a few greats due to suicide. Now it's more prevalent than it ever has been. So if you're struggling, please reach out to a friend, family member, anyone. You're not alone. And also, we linked a suicide awareness hotline in the show notes. So if you're struggling, just please give that number a call. Before we wrap up, I just want to let you guys know that on bombhole.com, we got signed Torstein Horgmo prints. Get them while they're hot. They're going to sell out quick on bombhole.com. We have new sticker packs loaded to the brim. We got air fresheners with Stony Bud's face on them, saying Cheddar Biscuits. And we got some really fashionable new hoodies that I love wearing and rocking it all over town. If you want to support us, these podcasts are a tremendous amount of work and we have a patreon which can also be found on our website bombhole.com mostly i just want to thank you guys for listening it's huge the amount of support we get from you guys and you know like always we got another episode coming at you next wednesday hope you guys have a great rest of your week